gets a little closer. Yeah. It may be okay. Okay. That's how we 
Because we're doing eye contact. There we go. Yeah, yeah. that works. <laughs> we got some eye contact going on there. Yeah. <laughs> so Nick, what I'm saying is, don't you step in front of my view with her. Okay. Okay. Can you see? Willie. Well, they're in a black Dodge journey. Um, how close were they? Well, go. They hadn't got to Flemingsburg yet, but they should be should be on this road. He'll just come and he'll come in and jump. He'll come and jump, whatever. Yep. And if we need to switch in the process, we'll switch. to announce us. I'm sitting crooked.
I'll give you the two signal when it's down to the last couple. I'll give you the two and I'll give you the close up. You finish up with whatever you want. Okay. To, so. Wait, I've, I've lost Nick. Where'd Nick go? You're okay. <laughs> All right. Hold on just a minute. Um, McAdam Ministry, sorry. Yeah. I think he's nervous. <laughs> uh, you'll be fine. Hey, just have church. I'm going that's to. That's all. That's all you gotta do. That's hey, it. these people's here for you. I'm telling I know you. it. Yeah. I know. I can tell. Yeah. folks it's be round three um i have went to church with some of these people especially these over here on the right uh all my life just kind of in and out we was raised around these people raised in church with these people um and you know you're you're all fixing to have uh, not only music here but you're fixing to have church here as well like you've been having all weekend you're fixing to have that right now. You're here again on stage. She's led by the Spirit. This whole band's led by the Spirit. They just, uh, they're not up here to put you on a show. They're up here to, to fellowship with you and have music with you. Uh, some of the finest people you'll ever meet right here on this stage right now. Uh, this is uh, McAdams Ministries. Make them feel welcome, if you will. Hallelujah. Good afternoon, everybody. It's good to be here. We love the Lord. We give the Lord praise today, and we are here to just worship and praise the Lord. And we want you to just join in and clap and just praise the Lord with us today. Um, we're going to sing a few. I'll introduce the group here. Well, I could go ahead and introduce the group, but I'm just going to wait off for a few minutes. And, but uh, uh, we're just going to sing a few songs, and we want you to just uh, just join in with us. Tomorrow, when we lay these heavy burdens down, 
can't help myself when I feel the Spirit. I'm going to raise my hands and praise the Lord. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Praise God. I heard one yes. Can I get another? We serve a great God, and I'm so thankful for Him today. I'm thankful for this beautiful day that He has bestowed upon us, praise God. And I want you to just worship with us. I know you're eating, praise God, but I want you to just worship the Lord with us and enjoy your meal while you're worshiping, praise God. Mm, the splendor of a King Clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice. 
rejoice. All the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. And darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice. Trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. You will see how great. How great is our God. Oh. And time is in his hand, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one, Holy Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. There's a song that uh, we do called Graves into Gardens, and uh, it's a powerful song, praise God. I really love the, the meaning of it, and uh, 
I don't know about you, but you can search the world over and you'll never find anybody as good to you as God. Amen. Anybody that'll do you like the Lord will do you, Amen. praise the Lord, because he's just an awesome God. And we just, we love him today. And we just, we just want to give him all the praise and all the glory. Praise God. the world but it couldn't fill me man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough oh then you came along and put me back together and every desire Oh, 
Praise the Lord. Well, praise God. We are in McAdams <laughs> ministry. Praise the Lord. And we've got a few that have joined the group yep. here just recently. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're thankful to have them with us today. Praise God. And um, Sister Catherine G uh, Robin Jenkins. Praise God. And uh, John. Brother John. John. Brother yeah. John. This is Brother John on the drums. Yeah. <laughs> Brother John. Now I've got Brother Lonnie back here on the bass, and he will probably be switching out different instruments here in a few minutes. <laughs> and this is my husband to the left of me. His name is Brother Nick. His name is actually Brother Anthony, but I call him Brother Nick. <laughs> and when I need him for something to do around the house, I call him other things. Praise <laughs> God. But praise the Lord. Calls me by my whole name. My honeydew man. <laughs> And I'm Anita McAdams, praise the Lord, and uh, we are McAdams Ministry, and uh, we just want to uh, minister to you in song today and in, in the spirit of the Lord. And if you feel the presence of the Lord at any time and you feel to worship, you know what? This is a good place to run, so I might get to feel in the pre presence Woo! and the power of God and yes. take off running myself because yes. there's plenty of room around here, plenty of space yes. to run and dance and worship the Lord. I seen that lady over there worshiping the Lord. And that's what I like to see. That's what I like. Praise God. But um, we're going to do a song here and it's called uh, The Blood Still Flows. We wrote this song and uh, I wrote this song years ago when uh, I was going through a terrible time in my body. Praise the Lord. And uh, I thank God that he is the healer of our bodies, praise the Lord. And I thank God I am a survivor of cancer, and I give him the praise Amen. of that and for that and the glory for yes. that because he's been mighty in my oh. life, praise yes. the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But this song is called The Blood Still Flows, and I want you to listen to it. I want to announce, too, that we do have some CDs uh, to the side of us here in a little bit, praise God. And we got another McAdams ministry coming up, praise God. This is Antonio. Come on out, Antonio, praise God. Hallelujah. This is Antonio McAdams. This is our son, actually. Praise God. Amen. Praise Hallelujah. God. This, so, this song she's about to do is on our CDs. Yeah. Uh, back here also. We got two or three we're going to do that's, uh, that we wrote that's on our CD out here. The blood still flows. 
to this. Oh, whatever your life's situations, oh, and whatever your burdens may be, oh, there's a stream that flows from the much into bluegrass, but I'll, I like it. I grew up with it. <laughs> I did grow up, grow up with it. Jesus. But there's a song that I heard from a group called the Johnson Family, and I think they do bluegrass. Well, anyway, they did the song Clouds Opened Up, and I fell in love with that song. And I thought, well, you know, I'll do it Anita style, I guess, because I love the song. I love the words. I love the way it just, you know, ministers to me. It makes me feel. So I hope you enjoy it. We're going to sing some for you. <coughs> We're going to rock it. I'm going to have you sing one. Clouds opened up and there stood Jesus. Oh, yeah. Whoa, clouds opened up and there stood my Jesus. Saints of all with him there. You could hear praising everywhere. Clouds opened up and there stood Jesus. Yeah. Oh, no. Whoa, craves burst open. 
clouds open up and there stood my Jesus. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you today. Glory to God. I love the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Woo. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to let Sister Robin. Y'all yeah, pray for me. We're just getting, I got, had COVID a couple weeks ago, but the good Lord healed me. I love you, Lord. All your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your arms From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head down I am gonna sing Of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I, I will, will see have led me through the fire in darkest night you were close like no other I have known you as a father I have known you as a friend I'm gonna live and the goodness of God.
Praise the Lord. How many are living by faith today? Praise God. <laughs> Definitely. Praise the Lord. I grew up with this song, Praise God. And um, thank you, Sister Robin. It was a beautiful song. Um, and I don't sing it like most people sing it. I just have my own style and I just kind of put a twist to it. Praise God. But it's a good song. Just join in with us. Praise God. I care not today what the morrow may bring, yeah, if sunshine or shadow or rain. Trusting, confiding, confiding in his great love from all harm safe in his sheltering arms. I'm living by faith and I feel no No matter what evil betimes, why should I then care if the tempest may blow? If my Jesus walks close by my side, I'm living by faith. Living by faith. In Trusting, confiding, Trusting confiding in his great love, from all harm safe, in his sheltering arms. Come on. Coming back. To this earth, some sweet 
I know. <laughs> he ruled all everything and all of my worry is vain. Cause I'm living by faith. Living by faith. In my Jesus above. Jesus above. Trust he can in his sweet love, oh, love. from all harm safe, in his sheltering arms, yeah, I'm living by faith, and I feel no alarm, from all harm safe, in his sheltering arms, yeah, Praise the Lord. Well, I feel like praising, praising Him. Well, I feel like praising, praising Him. Praise Him in the morning. Praise Him all day long. Oh, I feel like praising, praising Him. Oh, Lord. 
Has he healed anybody in here? Yes. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> My Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, I'm going I'm to testify. I'm going to, I tell her testimony sometime, but she, my wife, she was not even supposed to have been born. That's been, I ain't going to tell how old she is. She ain't 27. There's one guy I thought she was in her upper 20, but she's not quite that young, but I'll, I'll let that go there. But anyway, we've both been here. We're both. And they. 70 years ago, I was in the Cincinnati hospital dying of spinal meningitis. And they said if he lives, if he even lived, Brother Mike. He'll be crippled the rest of his life. You don't want to see me run at 73. Hey, when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of me, I can move. But only when he doesn't. But I'm thankful to he, he has healed our body. He's healed our son many times. But we're glad to be here and thankful for this opportunity to testify, give him praise. And you know, if you got a testimony... You need to testify. We're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. How many want to overcome? I, you know, I don't like being overcome by the devil. I don't like his ways. I don't like his oppression. I don't like his depression. Too many young people especially have committed suicide and it's on, you know, it's just he, Satan is doing his job. It's time that God's people move up do their jobs and put the devil in his place yes. under our feet. Jesus is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He died for us that we might have life and life more abundant. That's what it's all about. It ain't about what's going on in the White House. 
They can't help us anyway. They don't. They can't help themselves. Some of them. I'll shut up there. Amen. He said, "Go ahead." They don't want to get me started on that. Mind the Lord. You know, I've often heard this. I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard that in the White House there's a prayer room that's got prayers all over the wall. But you're not allowed to pray there in that room. Hello. Oh. Hello. That's messed up. <laughs> well, aren't you glad that we have opportunity to give him praise and glory? He's the king of kings. Oh, Lord. You know, somebody told me, uh, been several months back, but they said Elvis Presley was doing a, a show. And after the show, some people come up to him and started calling him king. And he stopped him right there in the tracks. He said, don't you call me king. There's only one king. Amen. I believe the man knew who the king was. That's right. Amen. There's only one true king. And you don't have to go to school to address him. Matter of fact, you don't have to do anything but go in your secret closet and kneel upon your knees and call upon his name. Because he said, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. Amen. I'm not here to preach, but I could. This song is called Prince of Peace. Is he? I didn't write it, but a friend of ours wrote it. His name is E.J. Lamb, and he's from up in Ohio. But it's a beautiful song, and I want you to just worship with us for a few minutes here. He's eternal king of the ages. He's a solid rock that saves us. He's almighty God. Prince of peace is he. Hallelujah. He's the hope of my salvation. He's the healer of this nation. He's almighty God. Prince of peace is he. Oh, and I will praise him. I will praise him. He's almighty God. Prince of peace is he. He's eternal king of the ages. He's the solid rock that saves us. He's almighty God. Prince of peace is he. Praise him. I will praise him. 
bricks all pieces is he is he your peace today praise the lord glory to god i feel the presence of the lord in this place glory to god you know you don't have to be in a building to feel the presence of the lord or the power of god but i feel his presence in this place today praise god and i just love him today praise the lord we're going to do a few more songs i haven't been given a thumbs up yet praise god but we might be getting close to it but we're going to do a few more praise god aren't you glad he woke you up this morning started you out in your right mind praise god you were able to walk into your closet and closet and pick out your clothes that you need to wear and your shoes that you need to put on. Praise God. You were able to walk to your kitchen. Praise God. In your right mind. Praise the Lord. He does that to let us know that he's God over us. Praise God. And that we're, we're not in control, but he's in control of it all. Praise the Lord. Ten minutes. She said ten minutes. Ten minutes. Jesus. How? many times must I prove how much I love you how many ways must my love for you I show and how many times must I rescue you from trouble so you would know just how much I I love you didn't I wake you up all around you how many nights must i wipe all your tears away oh and how many storms must i bring you safely through for you to know just how much i i really love you Just so 
Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm going to try this. <laughs> you do it in G. Start out in G. Goes to A. Take uh, me to the key. Two more. I got two more songs to do, so we'll, I'll try to get it in there for you. Okay, let me do this. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. me to the king I don't have much to bring my heart is torn in pieces it's my offering take me to the king truth is I'm tired options are few I'm trying to pray but where are you? Oh, I'm all churched up, hurt and abused. Oh, I can't fake what's left to do. Truth is I'm weak, no strength to fight, no tears to cry. Refuse us today. Yeah, yeah. One touch will change my life. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. My heart is torn in pieces. It's my offering. Lord, lay me at your throne. Leave me here alone to gaze upon your to you this song take me to the key truth is it's time to stop playing these games we need a word for the people's pain silence speak right now let it pour Chest chasing after you, Lord. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. My heart is torn in pieces. It's my offer. 
sing to you this song. Take me to the king. Take me to the king. Oh, yes. Take me to the king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take me to the king. Take me to the king. Take me to the king. Yeah, Take me to the king. Right, Shalom. Yeah, start out in G. Save this last. The hardest one for last, no. But I wrote this song. It ain't over till it's over. And I was walking out of church door, and I thought church was ended. And I turned around, looked back, and somebody's still praying. And I went home this, that day and wrote this song. So I'm going to try it if I can still remember. It's on our CD out here. It ain't over till it's over. It ain't over till he's through. It ain't over till it's over. He will never be through with you. On the cross of the Calvary, my Jesus died for you and me. Buried in a borrowed tomb Came out of that grave, he's coming soon Cause it ain't over till it's over No, no, it ain't over till he's through It ain't over till it's over He will never be through with you On the day of Pentecost, oh, in one mind and one accord, they're praying to the Father, send the Spirit from above, and there appeared the tongues of fire, my Lord, as it fell on all of them. They spake in Holy Ghost language as the Spirit gave out a rain. Cause it ain't over till it's over. It ain't over till he's through. No, no, no. It ain't over till it's over. When the Lord be through with you. Listen to this. John saw that city coming down. Oh, yeah. Prepared as a holy bride. Adorned in her wedding gown. Hey. There were walls of Jasper, gates of pearl. Oh, 
tell you something you're coming back emma oh yeah okay well, uh, yeah yeah absolutely because we want you here every year with us oh hello oh uh, yeah <laughs> you you, you you bring i was talking to your daughters i asked them this question i said do you live with this at home she says oh yeah i said oh my goodness you've got jesus in your house all the time like that <laughs> oh man yeah we're, we're always preaching to our kids <laughs> Anita, right? Anita McAdams, yes. Anita, you, you, We're you McAdams are, Ministry. You, you've got a gift. Yes, you Thank you. And I am so blessed it's, and it's honored to have you. It's all God. It's all God. Well, okay. Well, um, it is. And, and yeah. you're using it, and it's beautiful. I give him the praise for it. So yeah. I, I've got it. I have something to ask. Uh-huh. Because I bought all your CDs, by the way. Oh, okay. Because i got to have something to, like, rock me all day long. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... We, we, we do, uh, I've obviously got a big podcast. My ministry's online. That's what a lot of this is. There's people here from almost every state in the union. I'm going to hear part of that coming to hear yeah. you. Okay. So I, I want to know if it's okay if I play a couple of those songs after hours in our show. Woo! We'll give you all the credit and tell them where to go. You can give me the website and all that good stuff. Okay. But I, we, we, we need some like this. This is what we need. Okay. God is good. Yeah. But, you know, I, I followed the leading of the Holy Ghost. Some people say Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. He operates yeah. and he works. And uh, I just have to be obedient to his spirit. I, I have to do one more song. Oh, you Just may. one more. You, you, rock it. One, just one more. Okay, you got it. <laughs> I'm not trying to control, but I feel this song in my spirit very strongly and i don't know who it's for but I, as i sing this song let it minister to you today praise god we're we're getting i'm getting ready to leave here uh in a few minutes and i'm heading to new richmond ohio some of y'all don't know where it's at and i'm going to minister at a women's conference but there's power in the name of jesus there is power in his name there is power to heal to deliver to set you free of any kind of bondage that may be held, held upon you. There's power in his name. He can turn things around. He can move mountains that you can't move. It's through and by him, and there's power in his name. So today, 
I feel to sing this song. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. I just feel to sing a little bit of this. Praise the Lord. And I, I don't uh, account myself as an expert singer. I just love the anointing of the Lord. Praise God. I started singing when I was nine years old. Praise God. And uh, my mama started me out up in church singing, praise God. And, and I've been singing ever since. And I just love the Lord. And I love singing for the Lord. But i got to sing just a little bit of this. So I want you to help me. If you know it, I want to hear some songs coming out from back in there. Back in I, I see you. I want to hear those these words coming out if you know this song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. Oh, I speak Jesus. I feel it. I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. Oh, I speak Jesus. So 
for inviting us and having us be a part of this. Thank you, Willie, for inviting us. I've known Willie since he was, well, yeah, really little. 
So I'm not, I'm about to tell my age, ain't I? <laughs> Oh, praise God. Love the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for working the sound system. That was awesome. That was probably the best sound system I've had in a long time. Everything but these two mics I had up here already, and I'm going to direct back and put my back all right we're still hot good we got a couple minutes here as a transition so i'm going to tell a little story y'all like my stories so it's good all right so we got someone really special coming up and, and this man is so one thing i want you to know is the Bard's brand coffee. The samples are now available over there. We have little baggies for you, and they're for free. Take one. We want you to enjoy it. So what we got coming up, you all heard my trip out, which was pretty crazy. And we were about, I was about, uh, I guess about five hours out after driving for about 22. And uh, uh, this man I'm talking about is a man's going to speak next. His name is Don Cox. And the whole journey of meeting this guy has been all God-led. So, when, you know, when you're talking to a coffee roasting company who makes coffee roasters, and they say, you need to meet this guy. He's our best. He trains coffee with the, sen the five senses. I said, okay, it sounds about my style. And then you start talking to him, and you find out that he had been a pastor, but now he took his love of God into the cup. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know what I'm talking about now. So I have never experienced the Bible through the lens of a cup of coffee. But, and he, this guy is, is outrageous. His passion is deep. He's totally understated. It's good. And he thinks I'm crazy better because i am for jesus and that's good i'm probably crazy anyway yeah he was coming down i asked him to come down at the last minute and so as god works he was going to drive and a friend of his said nope wheels up at 9 a.m get on my plane we're flying so he flew down here that's all the way we work and i will i will tell you when it comes to a person that understands how the Holy Spirit works through something as simple as a bean, that's Don Cox. I don't know how he's gonna, what he's gonna talk to you about today. I just know I want you to know that that sample over there, which is Bard's Brand Bland Coffee, which we created together under his stewardship, we came up with that. Every bag of that is fresh roasted, will be fresh roasted when you order, and it goes on sale one October. And we'll get you the link and you want to do that, and he just came up with a really good idea because shipping on the West Coast can be kind of spendy. So what you can do is get some friends together, order coffee together, and then reduce the cost on shipping, which is fine. It's all good. But in classic nature, one thing God does not want done is things done to marginal levels. God seeks us to accomplish perfection, and that is what this represents, in my opinion. And you all know I'm a coffee snob. I'm proud to say that. 
So when a coffee snob meets a roasting master and you put those two moments together, I don't know if that's good, bad, or just super expensive or just crazy, but I'll tell you what, it works because it was some magic and it happened over three days. So if you know much about product development, we, we went from concept of meeting, first meeting to concept to branded bag and blend in about 48 hours or less an actual sit time about seven hours, which is unbelievable. That's all God working. So, are we good now? We good? All right, so, Don Cox. He, he is bald guy brew, and so I'm gonna introduce him to you right now. Don Cox, come on up. We gotta move him out of the doorway. There you. Oh, you are? I didn't know if you were trapped. All right, come on up. This is Don Cox. I want you to welcome. This man is integrally part of Bars Nation now, whether he wants it or not. You win. I win. <laughs> hey, y'all. How we doing? All right. You know, we didn't get up at 530 to come from the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina just to hear some lame woo. So I'm going to ask you again, because I know y'all got some ribs in your belly. Look, even the cars cry out. All right, so, hey, how y'all doing? Much better. Thank you. Oh, whoever did that, A-plus for effort. Um, before I begin, can we just pray? I know y'all been praying a lot, but it's always good to ask the Father for his blessing. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you as your children. Children who have been touched by your grace, empowered by your spirit and called father god to be agents of change where we live and not only where we live lord but in those nations where the name of jesus has yet to been heard father we remember the unreached and ask that by your holy spirit that today lord god through bard's nation we would see a movement to jesus that would not even hold a candle to one of the greatest awakenings that we've ever known of in the history of the Christian church. So we ask this in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. All right, so a little bit about me before we get into a little bit about Jesus. But there's, a, there's an overlap. If you were to rewind my life, 34 years ago, and you would bring me into a place like this with people dancing, with deliverance, with Jesus stuff, I would have thought you all were smoking crack. Because I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up 110% pagan. It's just the way my family was. I was born in Germany. My dad was military. My mom's German. And, and growing up, you know, we, we weren't God-fearing people. We weren't anything. But there's one thing that I was that Jesus turned around. And that was, I was all about me and all about my pleasure and all about my self-gratification. And it wasn't until I met the Lord when I was 25 that I realized that there was a God and that he did sacrifice his son 
and that if I chose to follow Jesus, it would cost me everything. My wife is sitting across from me. She grew up in the church, but was not a committed Christian. And she said, if we do this, it changes everything. And so that night we went back to the service because I was there. We were the youngest people in an old church. They needed youth ministers. So they said road trip. We said, here we are. And we came to know the Lord. And it wasn't the type of church meeting an Episcopal church does. I remember sitting in the row and next to me, this woman was vibrating. And there's those chairs, the old school chairs that hook together. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you move, the whole row moves. Well, our whole row was moving. And her girlfriend goes over to her and says, he's talking about you. And she goes, I can't be healed. And then girlfriend said to her, she said, I don't care what you think. You need to get up there and go get some prayer. So she went up there. Now, all of this was super strange. We had to get married in a church because my wife's people were church folk. I was thinking something like this, actually, except with a Grateful Dead band barbecuing a bunch of half-naked people and dogs running around. It, that, that was my idea of what I wanted to do. She goes up there and she gets healed. Just like that, bam. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then, of course, all good evangelists are like, well, there's somebody out there that needs to commit their lives to the Lord. Of course they're going to say that, just like there's a stoplight up ahead and you need to come to a stop. That's what they do. But what he didn't know is he was talking to me. So I remember kneeling down because those little chairs that were hooked together, they had those little kneelers because it's an Episcopal church. And I was kneeling down and I closed my eyes, really not understanding what I was about to do. And I'll never forget this day. This white funnel cloud came in through the window, blew through my soul and blew out. And when I stood up, I had come to know the Lord and my addictions to drug and alcohol were removed, cleansed. And I didn't realize the blessing of that until I was in California at an NA meeting and we were there with the Billy Graham Association. And of course the Lord puts it on my heart to pray for this monster of a man and give him my testimony. And I was like, ah, oh, this ain't gonna go well, but I'm gonna do it because we have to be obedient, right? And I go up to him and I share my testimony and my testimony was not for him. His response was what was meant for me. And he said, I have been praying to the Lord for years to be delivered from the desire to do drugs and alcohol. And then he pointed at me and he said, you've been blessed. And with much that has been given, there is much that needs to be done.
Because, see, I didn't really think about coffee as a profession. We were missionaries, we were church planners, and we were watching this massive movement happen in the western part of Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh where we were seeing cell groups start in tattoo parlors and bars and people's homes in the high school and junior high. And I had this huge leadership team and they're like, hey, yo, we're doing all the work. We're not showing up and paying you anymore on Sunday. So you better get a job. So I thought, well, I'm going to get into coffee because that's what paid pastors do. Not kicking them under the bus, not saying anything about you know who who likes to hang out in coffee shops, wherever he is. Um, <laughs> I was like, I could work in a coffee shop. Or better yet, I could roast coffee. And I took to it like a duck to water. Because in my small, limited mind of understanding coffee, I realized that the coffee belt was 10 degrees above the equator and 10 degrees below the equator, and it overlapped this thing called the 1040 window where the majority of the unreached people groups live. Where Christians can't readily walk in because they get scanned and checked for all of their activities, but as a green coffee buyer, I could roam around the unreached peoples of the world because it was a 15th century supply chain started by people from Europe who were raking around the equator for colonization, capitalization, cash flow, and conquest, and they ran across coffee. And here's a little tidbit. Paul knew it. Jesus knew it. It just takes us a little bit to get it, that the conduits of information and transformation, the, the rails of the gospel travel on supply chains. You ever think of that? Spice trade, tea, well-established. The Chinese underground church, you know what they were doing? They were walking from China to the West along the spice trail proclaiming the gospel. Tea, an amazing example. Coffee, within 200 years, it was started in Ethiopia. It ended up in Yemen, went to Java because of the Dutch, ended up creating a new language, a new pastime, and a spending habit. And there was no internet, no airplane, just a boat with wind. And within 200 years, that conduit spread through Muslim evangelists to the Indonesian islands and through Jesuits to the Americas. So when all of this started to get downloaded, I was like, wow, not only can I use my gifts to create a business platform to have opportunities to engage people, I can also strategically design a business plan to where I can be around the people who have no access to the gospel, like zero. And what I mean by no access, it's like if you mention the word Coca-Cola, they would say, what does that mean? Because at, 
At, at the end of the day, when this gospel goes out as a testimony to the whole world, then the end will come. So we've been given the mission. We've been given the objective. Why? Because there's a king, right? Everybody just nod your heads whether you agree or not. There is a kingdom, right? And if we sign up to be in that kingdom and follow that king, then that makes us his people, his subjects, his vassals. And our lives, don't miss this, our lives have been forfeited for what the king wants to have happen. A German theologian called Dietrich Bonhoeffer kind of said it like this. He said, cheap grace or costly grace. Costly grace cost God his only son, and therefore it should cost us our lives. Y'all tracking with me? You see, the problem that I, I have in my world is that I'm, I'm this kind of like dual hybrid. I, I, I got ordained, went to seminary. Now I, I, I roast coffee and sling Joe and deal with people from all over the world. And I felt like I was missing out because I wasn't doing the work of the ministry. I wasn't preaching around the world anymore. I wasn't showing up on a Sunday to talk to deaf ears. I take that back. There were ears that could hear. They weren't all deaf. But I felt like something was missing, so I really tried to dig in to the kingdom of God. And how can I restructure and think through how I run my business platform to bring God glory through every inch and action of my business plan, of my life, my marriage, my kids, my community. Does that, y'all tracking with me back there? This is important because I don't want you to miss it because it's not easy it actually becomes very difficult to keep a focus when we're always being distracted with all the junk that's going around in the world. Yesterday, I was so amped up. I had too much coffee to drink, and I usually like to go for a walk. So I'm walking in the Greenway in Boone, North Carolina. And I was telling my friend BJ this. As I'm walking up, and I love to hunt, I'm always amazed when I'm in the town of Boone that like squirrels don't run away and deer walk to you because people feed them. And I look at them and I think, well, you're the prey, I'm the predator. Why are you acting like this? And I'm not going to say the Lord spoke to me about this, but I am going to say this. They have become dulled to fear and danger. Their natural inclination is to flee, right? But instead, they're being drawn closer to death. And it reminded me of the children of Israel during the 100-year exile. Those that were left the remnant, 
in Israel. And there was this cupbearer. I don't know if you remember his name. If you grew up in church, you always talked about Nehemiah. Because in the South, we got to get all of those vowels in, stretch it out. Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king. He was the confidant of the king. He was the one who drank the cup to make sure the king didn't die. And when I was in Rwanda working with genocide survivors, we were looking at Nehemiah as a leadership model. And so I asked my brothers and sisters there who have paid with their lives dearly for the Lord. And I said, what happens when the cupbearer hangs out around the king and his face is downtrodden? And they were like, oh, my brother, that's not good. It was to the point where the king said, what's wrong with you, Nehemiah? And he prayed, right? You remember that? He prayed and he turned to the king and said, because he got the report that the walls were down and that the gates were burned. And that, the, that imagery in Hebrew means it was just completely destroyed. But yet in the midst of that destruction, there were some Jews living in Israel who had to walk every day through the rubble, through the destruction. And they kind of got used to it. Then to complicate matters even more, Nehemiah gets permission from the king that he was serving to serve the real king to rebuild the wall. And he starts this project, but then the enemies of Israel say, this ain't gonna happen. Even if a fox jumped on that wall, it would knock it down. Nehemiah prayed about it gathered the children of Israel together, and they're like, dude, there's so much rubbish here, so many bad bricks. We, we're too feeble. We are unable to rebuild the wall because everything we need to build, we've got to take apart first to put back together. And Nehemiah prayed again, especially when the death threats came in. And he said, Boys, ladies, kids, it's time to go to work. Strap a sword on your hip and grab a trowel. We're going to work. And the people of Israel made up their mind to go to work. And as I was praying about coming out here, which I'm, I'm surprised I am here, and I'm very thankful that I am, I wanted to share with you a couple things that I've learned from Nehemiah in entrepreneurship and coffee that keeps me going. Because you might be in a place in your life where you're tired of all the noise, but you don't know what to do. Well, the first thing that you need to remember that the kingdom of God is God's kingdom. It's not yours. It's not your work. There is nothing that you can do outside of his power working through you to make it move forward. Does that make sense? So whether you're involved or not, the gates of hell can't stand against it because it's God's work. We don't have the final say on the kingdom of God. God has the final say on his kingdom. And that's where the enemies of Israel screwed up number one. They said, even if a fox jumps on that 
wall, it will break their wall down. What the enemies of Israel didn't realize is that it wasn't Israel's wall. It was God's wall. And when you get into business, you, you really should download a call. You should pray about it because there isn't a person here old enough not to start something new. But you got to hear from the Lord and then dedicate that to the Lord. And then make up your mind that you're going to do what the Lord says. See, that's our biggest problem. We're like those. We're like the deer and the children of Israel. We get so complacent and focused on other things that we become desensitized to the spiritual warfare that's around us because it's really not affecting me. And all the time it is. Because the beautiful side of evil doesn't come up. Could you imagine, like, if demons manifested everywhere on a Sunday morning, what do you think the Christian church would do? They would wake up the sleeping giant and they'd start praying. Ain't that right? Well, they don't want that to happen. So what they'd like to do is just wrap it around real slow and just kind of make you numb to everything that's going on. But see, as people of the book, people who follow the true high God, we can be given opportunities to make a difference on multiple platforms right where we live for his glory. You don't have to wait to go get a seminary degree. You don't have to wait to get invited to preach. You don't have to wait to get a Sunday school slot. You don't have to wait to get on a microphone. You can be alive in Christ and breathe that witness into people's lives. I meet the pool of humanity in coffee. I mean, I meet crazy stuff where we live if you want to talk about a woke culture, it, it's been awake. If you want to talk about a culture that's deprived, it's where I live. But the one thing that keeps me going when I do coffee and I meet these people that are coming into the roastery to get a cup of joe is that I have to remember that they are stamped, they are made in the image of God. That they are not my enemy, the principalities and powers and the spirits of the air, the sons of disobedience who control them are my enemy. I have to love them. And that's hard to do. So you best know that you're called before you start stepping into that because it's God's work. And yelling at somebody, to be honest, just doesn't get anywhere. My wife and I were in a big fight in seminary. And, and you know, seminary students shouldn't get in that fight. And Shannon looked at me and she said, you know, there's a... She said, the Holy Spirit does a good enough job of convicting me of my sin, and he does not need your help. So women, if you want to use that on your husbands, guys, all you have to do is go, you're right. And that's the end of that conversation. But it was an epiphany to the fact that I'm not the one that needs to bring the guilt. I just need to be standing at the door knocking and waiting for those individuals to find a safe place to come. Because when you start to follow the call of God, you will immediately receive the discouraging hate mail that comes for working within the kingdom. Because there's a new sheriff in town. 
And that new sheriff asks us to do things differently to the point where we need to reorient ourselves for the purpose of God's glory and put a period at the end of it because that's what we were created for. But the hate mail is going to come. And you know what the funny thing about discouragement is? It's the opposite of hope. And without hope, it makes it really hard to follow Jesus, doesn't it? Because if I have faith, but I don't have hope that my situation is going to change, then you kind of feel like you're just looking at the worst, that you're stuck. But don't tell Lazarus that. Because the, the people of God have hope. It's the hope of glory who lives in us, who frees us. And then finally, the sword and the trowel. I love that imagery. How many of y'all ever tried to carry a brick? Okay, yeah, that's not bad. How many of y'all tried to carry a rock? Okay, you can bend down and pick one up. Now, how many of y'all tried to carry a rock that needs to be in a wall? <laughs> not me. Now, try doing that with a trowel and a sword, and you're working with your weapons of defense, and, it, and it's really interesting. The sword, it was God's fight. Nehemiah told them to get ready for the battle because there were threats to their lives and that we need to be prepared. They put a watch in the morning and a watch in the evening. And remember that text where he says, whenever the trumpet sounds, come to me, because they were halfway through building the wall, but they were running out of steam. They were feeble. They couldn't do it in a day. the sword and the trial. I was in Chihuahua, Mexico, a little steeper mountains than this, and I was preaching at a, a Christian Missionary Alliance camp for young people, and it was a little more rugged. This is just like the Taj Mahal compared to where we were. We wake up every morning to pigs just rooting around and I was sleeping in my van, and the preaching was underneath this little eave, and there was just a light that would hang down and a crackling microphone, and it would always get real moist there, and the water was coming off the roof, and it was coming down the light, and the light was sizzling, and I'm like, here we go, Jesus, going to come see you in the middle of nowhere. And I remember preaching this message about making a difference in the world, and I really couldn't see past past that speaker because the light just diminished. But I could, I could hear and I could see in the background people moving. And I thought to myself, oh, this is cool. And as the people started to make their way forward for the call to be commissioned to go, they started to come into my light of view and it wasn't who I thought it was. All the young people were sitting down. 
It was all of y'all. More mature. Little, like we like to say, viejitos y viejitas, little women and ladies, men and women, who were hobbling up to get prayed for. The same people who walked from Ciudad Juarez to the mountains to bring the gospel, these same people were coming forward not knowing how it's going to work to take the gospel to the nations because they had a mind to work. My question for you is, do you have a mind to work? And if not, why? Only you can answer that. Like my wife said, the Holy Spirit does a good enough job of convicting me of my sin and he doesn't need your help so I'm going to leave that one there but I can tell you this much my brothers and sisters there's a wall that needs to be built and we need to get on it will you pray with me Father God we thank you that this day we can turn to you in mercy and grace and that we can call upon your strong name, Abba, Father, to fill us with a new desire, a new passion, a new vision, a new understanding, a new relentless get on it at this stage and game in our lives to see your kingdom come. Because, Father God, the walls are down. The doors have been burnt. We live in rubbish. We've become complacent to the spiritual nature of what we've been called to fight against. And Lord God, we just come before you today and say, here I am, send me. Because Father God, at the end of the day, we get the joy of coming to you and understanding and waiting, Lord God, to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So wake us up, Lord God, to the way in which you're moving around us to create opportunities and situations and things that we can use like coffee, like relationships, like whatever business that the wildest dream could come to us. We ask that you would be behind it, that you would use your call, your time, your dime, your resources, your power to enable us to stay on task, Lord God. It's a big thing to ask, Father God, but you are greater than anything we could ever imagine because you are good. And it is well with my soul. And I pray that it is well with everyone as you blow through their lives to reimagine life as a vassal of the kingdom. Because we understand that you are the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you all. Done. <laughs> you know.
You know, it's really the way God works. I love this man. I know, what have I known you like 16 hours? Yeah, maybe. Do what? <laughs> yeah. It is the way God works. When he puts two people together that are intended to be together and we, our hearts understand each other. Just a quick story, because you heard me say it. Don sat on the second day. So after this crazy drive and he told me I was crazy and I agree. So we got there. Did you tell him why you were crazy? Yeah, well, I told him I told you I was crazy for Jesus. No, you told me you drove 22 hours to come see Well, I did. That's, that's crazy. In a Jeep. In a Jeep, yeah. <laughs> so, but you know something? I, I knew that he, he took it seriously. He says, I, I canceled three other people so I could do this session with you. God says, don't fail. And I'm like, I'm not going to fail. This guy's got to be something going on here. So here's the great thing. As we sat on Saturday morning, it was a little late in the morning, we got started. And um, we got through the principal issues of what was the focus for our session on coffee. And Don starts mapping out the entire global network of coffee. I've told you God's put coffee in my heart for a long time. And Don says, I want you to see how this works. Now, what'd you call the people at the bottom? I'm sorry. Below the supply chain. Below the supply chain. And he goes, that's where Growers, we... Growers, then there's pickers and transporters. And how'd you relate that in the Bible? De Deuteronomy. Yeah. It's all through Deuteronomy. And I, it just clicked. I said, now I know what God wants us, to, why he wants me here. Because see, we're the network that allows us to break the back of a global cabal as we start to put the power back to the people, the growers, the pickers, and break the slave trade and nonsense that goes on in this global network. And here's what's interesting. Coffee ties to everything. It's about the fourth, at this point, largest traded commodity in the world. It's how they move drugs. It's how they move kids. And his passion is children and women. And I'm blessed to know this man and blessed to have him part of Bard's Nation. And I love the coffee we built and I love his coffee. So thank you. Thank you, brother. Okay. So make sure you get samples of coffee over there. We're going to start having that coffee available one October and it will ship on the 9th. Everything is fresh roasted through Bald Guide Brew. Okay. I'm just going to bring him up now. Is he ready? Thank you, Don. Okay. Next, we've got somebody that I've met a year ago. This is the same man who has connections. We have a couple pastors here that is that are just really amazing. Our connections that we've all been woven together with Myron and Dottie Lizer as well. So this is, you're starting to see the networking of how God's working. But before we do that, I have one thing. Pastor Devonese, can you come up here, please? Okay. And we're going to do this real quick. I, I'm off script, so bear with me, Michelle. I'm off script. It's like typical. Okay, good, because you know how I am. <laughs> I, last night, oh man, this is, this is great. So I, I want to, I'm wearing this. This is a gift from Myron and Dottie Lizer from the Navajo Nation. And we did something amazing. We did something amazing at, at Yuba City. And what did we do? God put in my heart, he says, you're just an ambassador. And we brought two people over here. And we brought two people together. We brought First Nations 
and Last Nations. Last Nations represented by Pastor Brian and Cheryl. <clears throat> Excuse me. And last First Nations represented by Myron and Dottie Lizer. And we brokered a new way forward to heal and to unite under the one body of Christ. And that's what this represents, because I was given this as a gift by these two lovely people, and I'm greatly honored, and thank you very much. Today and right now, we're going to do something very special. Last night, I told you that just before Bard's Fest, I got an email of somebody telling me, and I probably took it wrong, but anyway, I... She, she knows who I am, so that's okay. And basically saying, y'all are too white. And I was like, don't be so woke, because God does not see color. But then I had to admit, I said, well, but I don't have access to black pastors. And so I'm sitting here last night looking at a pretty much all white panel, just got to admit it, and <laughs> Leah says, I got something, you know, and I'm in mode, you know, like mm, mission. And I'm like, okay, what's this going to be? And she introduces Pastor Debanese. Now, I, I sat here and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sitting over here. Now, Michelle got another part of this one because I'm sitting here like, God, what are you doing? And I'm on mission and I got this thing going and I got Pastor Debanese coming up and I'm like, Lord, you are bringing me what you said I didn't have. This is pretty amazing. So with that, so we got all organized and reorganized, had to go outside and get a breath of fresh air because I'm like, Lord, this is amazing. Here we go. I've gotten to know this. I got to watch this beautiful woman work last night. I want to thank you for coming and answering the call and being here with us because we're doing something right now. We're breaking down this race garbage, okay? So... Thank you. So I'm going to let her speak just a little bit. Just tell her what's on your heart. But I know that what we've talked about. And here's what we got to do. Okay? And the door is open. I need you to help us make those bridges so we can make this more unity of the body of Christ. Because black nation, as black America, whatever we're going to call it, I, was, I hate doing it. Because I didn't grow up with race. You got to understand that. Y'all in the South maybe did. I didn't. Okay, I didn't even understand the concept until I walked in that crazy world of Florida and I watched all these people hating each other because of color. I'm like, y'all are stupid. But anyway, that's another story. Okay, so I want you to help us. Yes. Okay. <laughs> As I shared last night, when I was invited here by my friend Jackie, I was very unsure, and I asked the Lord, because Jackie knows me, so I'm like, okay, Lord, she knows me. She knows my heart, and we love the Lord together, um, and we worship him together. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, well, should I go? Because, you know, I don't really want to say no to Jackie, but I'm not sure. So I asked him. My spiritual father, as I said before, says, if you ask well, he'll answer well. And he's very specific. And he simply said, they love me, go. And that's all I needed to hear, was that they love him. And that has to be the common thread. 
That is the thing that supersedes everything else. That's what will put in place that which is broken. That is what heals. It's the love. There is no color. There is no gender. We're all one. That's his goal. Like, literally, that's his goal, is that we will be one. In his kingdom, it's, it's, it's about him. It's not about you as an individual, me as an individual, but us as the corporate one, worshiping the one true and mighty God who created us in his image to subdue and to take dominion of the earth. That is our call. That is our responsibility. And we exclude no one from that. We invite everyone in to that place. And that is the place of oneness. And so I learned so much here. And I, I want to say this because it is what has changed everything for me um, in these last couple of days that I've been here. Obedience has to go beyond what you understand. Obedience has to go beyond what you know. When you feel in your spirit to do something, to say something, do it. Let him lead you, let him guide you. There are people out there that need to hear the messages that you have, the messages that he has put in you. But you have to be willing to be quiet, to listen, and then when he speaks, you speak. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's about the king wanting his people to be one. And this opportunity right here has taught me that when you step into the unknown, when you step into the scary places, the places that don't look familiar, the places where people don't always look like you, talk like you, smell like you, and all that other good stuff, that there are gifts there. I received many gifts here in the last couple of days. Gifts of smiles and hugs and love and commonality and the oneness of us loving the true and mighty God. And I am so grateful for the revelation that it goes beyond those things that we differ on. Because when we get in alignment with him, everything else will fall into place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first. And so that's what we do. We seek first. We listen. We obey. And we tell everybody. And I'm going to say this too. When you want to be that voice, ask God to show you who to go to and to prepare the way for you. The Lord will prepare the way for you to get the message to the ones that need to hear the message. There are people in position and places that you need to speak to that need to hear your voice, that need to hear your experience. I've learned so much here in the last two or three days, beyond all the history books and everything else from, I don't wanna say how many years I was in school, but I've learned so much. And what's so funny is that now I'm so much hungrier for even more knowledge. 
and, and I want the knowledge, but I want his understanding of how to process that, how to share that, who to give that to, who to invite in, who to invite to my home and, and just have a conversation. Bring some coffee to the table <laughs> and invite some people in. And it's, it really starts there, just connecting. But I believe the Lord leads that. He guides that. I could not have dreamed this. I could not have dreamed this. I, I didn't think I'd belong, but I belong because you love him just like I do. And I love it. And it's a new revelation for me. My spiritual father, Greg J. Davis, talks about oneness all the time. And it's so amazing that the Lord brought me here so I could truly see it on a larger scale. There are people waiting for us. Us. Ooh. <laughs> um, there are people waiting for us. So Lord, prepare the way. Lord, prepare our hearts. Lord, we love you. And we want to take dominion and we want to subdue and we want to do it your way. We want you to be honored. We want you to be pleased because it's about your kingdom because there's nothing like it because there is where peace is. There is where hope is. There is where healing is. That's where deliverance is. Oh my gosh. That's what this whole couple of days has been about. Breaking off chains, being set free, giving love and receiving love. It's an honor and a privilege to be amongst you and to be one of you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so, so we're going to figure a way forward here. I think you, got, you probably know a few people. And we want you part of us. Okay? Okay. We'll figure a way forward, but I guarantee God's response to me, no, we ain't woke, but we are unified in the body of Christ, and that's good. Amen. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you so much. All right. It's awesome. This is what happens here. This is what happens when we start walking with God and the Holy Spirit and watch other things happen. Amazing events. By the way, the music you just heard, CDs are on sale around the corner. Should be. Are they still over there? May Leah? Yes, okay. $10 and $8, awesome. You need to pick them up. It's something you'll stick in your car and you'll be like driving down the roads hands-free. That does not mean get a Tesla. Just so we say that. Okay, just want to be clear. For those of you that have Teslas, Teslas, Ivan Ranklin, he actually drove a Tesla from D.C. to Kentucky. <laughs> That's what I want to know. We're going to have to have a conversation with that Lieutenant Colonel Retired Special Forces. We'll get some gas. I'm going to send him a, a gallon of gas for Christmas. That's what I'm going to do. That'd be good. All right. Next up, met this man a year ago. We sat down for a burger and didn't know each other. We start talking, jumped into a conversation. He can talk sometimes more than me, but it's a competition. Knowledge and passion for the Holy Spirit, the love 
of the Constitution, the love for children, his fight and deliverance. He just got finished working the trail of the Trail of Tears, praying on it, running, running rallies, turning that into the Trail of Joy. This man has a passion for Jesus like you'll seldom meet. He is on fire, and I am honored and blessed to call him brother and friend, Pastor Devin. Come on up. Glory. Y'all love Jesus out there? Come on, we're going to talk about deliverance. I, I kind of need to be able to move around. So go to bardsfm.com and you need to, I have a presentation there. They're not able to put it up here, but if you go there, you can follow along with me, bardsfm.com. Loosed. Yeah, be loosed. Hallelujah. We got to get delivered. Amen. So um, when I was about 13 years old, my uh, dad left and I said in my heart, I would never leave my family. That seemed like the right thing to do. But what I didn't realize was in my fight against injustice, I became unjust myself. See, that's the bait of Satan. That is the hinge point and the root of all entrance of demons. Whenever we believe the accusation of the enemy and we take that record of wrongs in our hearts, then the enemy can gain access to us. So I'm going to talk to you about my own personal experience, how we graduated that into be able to get uh, neighborhoods delivered, shut down drug corners, work with cities, and, then, and now the nation. Because how many of you know the Bible says we do not wrestle against uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers? And so I made that vow in my heart and see, it is the right thing to do, but I made it out of bitterness and every seed produced after its own kind. So when you start to deal with deliverance, you got to understand there's a spiritual realm and there's spiritual laws that God himself cannot circumvent. So this is why in the garden, you see the interaction with the devil and Eve. He says, did God say don't eat the fruit? Yeah, God said that the day I eat it, I'll die. He said, you shall surely not die the day you eat it. You will become like God. Your eyes will be open. Okay, and there was a couple of truths with a lie dead in the middle of it, and it caused the fall of man. That was literally an altar. And so what we got to realize with uh, deliverance, there's this place of where you deal with altars, whether you lay your life down for the enemy or you lay your life down for God. The scripture says a man is a slave to whatever he obeys. So Eve obeys that she says, oh, you know, that's right. God doesn't have my best interests at heart. Therefore, I have a justification to rebel. When she does that, Satan takes authority of planet Earth because authority was given to man. He said, behold, I give you, uh, he says, go take dominion and subdue the Earth and rule over it. And so that was taken away at that time. We see Jesus in the wilderness talking to Satan. Satan says, see all the kingdoms of the earth. They are mine to give with all their glory. Bow down and worship me. This is a place of an altar, a place of worship. And what happens in that place is an adjudication of power. Okay? When Jesus came back, he had to come back in a body because it is illegal to operate on planet earth without a body. 
God himself had to come as a man and pay the price for our sins to be able to create a bridge and an opportunity for deliverance, for salvation, okay? And we need to understand that. If we understand that, we can begin to operate where we're effective and we're productive over the enemy. So for 13 years, I had this thing in my heart. And what it did was it, pre, it produced this thing in me where I was very loyalistic. Like, you know, I was going to be loyal to you, but if you weren't loyal to me, then, and so I had a chip on my shoulder and, I, and it caused me to be rebellious and it began to destroy my life. I, actually longer than 13 years, but it was, it was 13 years I drugged my family through hell and exactly what I said I would not do, I actually did. I ended up being separated from my family. I remember the day I blew about $1,500 in crack cocaine. I was middle of the hood, and my wife that was spirit-filled tracked me down in the middle of the hood by the Holy Ghost and is beating on the door and will not stop. And I'm giving drugs to everybody, and the people that are in their house, I'm giving them drugs. They say, you got to leave, man. There's this crazy woman outside, man. You got to go. And I go outside, and everybody in the neighborhood's looking at this house with this lady beating on the door because she beat on every door in the neighborhood. And so I left, and this is what drug addicts do. I started a fight with my wife so I could do the rest of the cocaine. And I, and I started a fight, she left, I did the rest of the drugs. And when I came down, I came to the reality, man, you are a junkie. You are a slave to this thing, you are a captive. And I said, God, I need your help. What do I need to do? And God said, leave your family and go in Baton Rouge and go to your brother-in-law's in Tennessee. And I didn't realize what he was doing, but I didn't listen to God. I took my family with me, and this is why. That vow I made made me make a God out of my family. And my family actually stood in between me and God and causing me not to be able to hear God. So a little while passed, God orchestrated something, and I got arrested. I couldn't leave. My father-in-law picked up my family and left, and I ended up being separated from my family uh, for two years. One year into that, I finally get still enough and the Lord speaks to me and he says, write your father a letter. And as I begin to write my father letter, all the bitterness and all the hurt and all the pain begin to come out of me. And I didn't, I wasn't even aware of it. I didn't even think it was there. It was all suppressed. But this is what we do as little children. We can go through things and we make these vows and they become a character defect that can get, actually give access to demons and it causes destruction in our life. The Bible says if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You can't get around these principles. And when I wrote that letter and I, and I was weeping and just the pain, I was having to actually look at it because it had been suppressed. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, now, what are you going to do? What you want to do? And see, that's the altar, guys. Are we going to do what we want or are we going to do what God wants? One, it says if we do what we want, that's the sinful nature that was birthed in, in the garden. It's just like the will of Satan. That's why Aleister Crowley says, do as thy will, because the sinful nature was spawned from Satan. And he, he posed that question to me. Now, what are you going to do? What you want to do or what I called you to do and forgive and love? Are you going to continue to hold a debt that your father cannot pay back? Because my son was the only one that had the power to pay that debt. 
And I realized at that moment that I'm the one with the power to make a choice because God gave you a free will. God will never violate your free will because Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, behold, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, cursing and blessing. Choose ye life that you and your descendants will live. Now, God will talk to us. But he can't take your free will away. He talked to Cain and Cain went and killed his brother. And so at that moment, I realized, man, God's saying that I'm the one with the power to do this. And that began my, my road to deliverance. I ended up getting delivered. I sold out to Jesus Christ. God began to ask me to take uh, women into my house that were struggling with substance abuse. And it wasn't everything I do in the gospel is what I don't want to do because that's the altar, guys. An altar is a place of death where there's a power exchange. And if we're going to understand deliverance and how to course correct things and how to take dominion on planet earth, we have to understand these principles. Because Jesus came and he said, behold, I've given you power to tread on scorpions and over serpents and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing by any means shall harm you. But that is in Christ. When we do it God's way, we can take dominion. When we do not do it God's way, we will not take dominion. And we have to understand these principles. With deliverance, the Bible tells us, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. It has all to do with our will. Now, the word of God is extremely important concerning this. And I'm going to tell you this story. As we begin to bring women into our house, brought 12 women into our house for 14 years, had a men's house for nine years. In this process, I began to intimately learn things about deliverance. I studied all of Derek Prince's stuff. In my opinion, he's the foremost expert. If you want to learn about deliverance, get his books, Derek. Prince. And this one encounter with this woman, she was a murderer. She was an ex-drug dealer. She had HIV and she was full of demons. So she was in her house. Five different people prayed over this woman and, she, and nothing ever happened. By the way, every demon I've ever cast out of anybody was in a Christian. Now that might mess your theology up, but I'm telling you, that's the facts. Tongue talking believers. Because anywhere sickness and sin can dwell, so can a demon. Okay, and it has to do with your free will. Re the gospel is repentance and forgiveness. Do you know that? It says, and the gospel, and this gospel of repentance and forgiveness will be preached to all nations. God's prescriptions is when we repent, we remove ourselves out of judgment, and the blood of the Lamb is applied to our doorpost. But without repentance, the Bible is clear. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29, it says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after coming to the knowledge of the truth, there's no sacrifice for sin left. That means you don't have the ability to get the provision of that sacrifice. Repentance, the change of mind, but it's the type of change of mind that produce a fruit. And this is what Jesus said. This is what happened with this girl. After three months of being inundated in the word of God, this is why the word of God is extremely important for deliverance. She began to tell the voices in her head, no. She had a council of demons that may, helped her make like a boardroom. And she was making all of her decisions because of these voices. But because she had been learning the word of God night and day uh, for three months, she began to say, man, that's not what the word of God says. I'm not doing that. And as she began to tell them, no, they manifested and she was on the ground, crawling on the ground, blowing snot bubbles out of her nose like this, growling like something I saw on Ghostbusters. I'm not kidding, guys. All, all 11 other women that were with her, they took off. 
my one leader, I'm like, cast the devil out. She's like, I'm not ready for this. And so me and my wife went there. We went through four hours of deliverance with her that day. The second day, because she couldn't go through anymore, two hours in deliverance, I encountered the demon of prejudice. And God began to show me some keys that are extremely important for this hour. As I told the demon of prejudice, which is, by the way, one of two main principalities coming against the nation, the principality of Antichrist and the principality of prejudice are coming against this nation, and their main goal is to strip your liberties away because if America falls, every free nation on the planet is going to fall with it, and the Antichrist will set his kingdom up. You are the only thing standing in the way of that happening. So I commanded to come out, and it says, no, she's mine. She's obeyed me since she was a little girl. And it shook my faith to tell, you, to tell you the truth. And the Lord told me, command it to tell you what right it has to be there. Okay, we can hear the Holy Spirit. He can tell us what the root is, what the legal right is. But you can also interrogate devils, just like an interrogation. And I said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. Tell me what right you have to be there. Now, this you need to pay attention to. It says it's everything she was taught since she was a little girl. You want to know the reason for Black History Month? Speaking a record of wrongs. It's history. It's just history. And there's wrongs that happen. And I'm dealing with some of those. But there's two justice movements. One is God's. One's the devil's. The devil is accusation with malicious that separates you. The other one is forgiveness that brings healing and brings people together. That applies the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and we're very much dealing with those things. So I tell it, I tell it, I tell the girl because I'm, I'm talking to a demon. I said, Sherelle, Sherelle, I need to talk to you. And she comes up, eyes big as silver dollars. She, like she came out of some water or something. And I said, this devil says it has a legal right to you. And it's everything you were taught since you were a little girl. She screams at the top of her lungs and she coughs this devil up. It was the worst scream I've ever heard in my life. So I was so caught off guard by it. I asked her, I said, why did you scream like that, Sherelle? And she said, because I realized I spoke it into every one of my children. This is also happening with the Native Americans, guys, because this is the ploy of the devil. Okay, he is the accuser of the brethren. We got to wrestle. This is what we got to realize. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. There is only one race. It's called the human race. Each person has a different hue, probably every single one of us. But it's one race. God's mechanism for do dominion is unity. I, I love what my sister said. Her, her name's the same name as me, Devin. What, what are the chances? So William Seymour, a one-eyed black man, the son of a slave from Centerville, Louisiana, went to uh, California on 222, got kicked out of a church because he was preaching on the Holy Ghost, and God chose him for the glory of God to fall on him and on his church for three and a half consecutive years. The visible glory of God was in his meetings. And he knew some secrets about the power of God. Do you realize each one of you is a conduit that is a powerhouse? And when we connect, it amplifies. This is why we're more powerful together. William Seymour, he would be praying in the prayer loft. He would come down to, and he'd see a bunch of white people or a bunch of black people or a bunch of red people in the section, and he'd go talk to him. He's a very humble man. And he'd say, look, if you're a born-again believer, you're no longer a member of any earthly race. 
you're a member of the Christian race. And for God's power to move effectively, we have to be one. People of God, if we're going to take this nation back, it's going to be together. And, and our brothers that are on the other side, we need to learn how to use our weapons that are not carnal, but they are mighty for the tearing down of strongholds. I love what my sister said, too, about love. Uh, Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he said this. It's a very profound statement that I live by. He said, the only weapon so powerful to make your enemy your friend is love. A friend of mine, Scott Neary, was visited by Jesus, and Jesus told him, he said, pure evangelism is loving people until they ask you why. Amen? So we got this girl delivered from many demons. I actually went through 16 hours of deliverance with her. But we begin to use these principles to you in a neighborhood. God showed us. And, and the key about an altar is, think about 2 Chronicles 7, 14. He, it says, if my people who are called by my name. So God puts responsibility on who? On his people only, not the world, not the liberals, not the Democrats, not whoever, the, the rhino Republicans, whoever's doing. He, his people is the only people he says, and God's in charge, by the way. He says, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then will I forgive their sins and heal their land. So there's something that happens in an altar when you get in, because that's an altar. When we begin to lay down our lives, we begin to fast, we begin to pray. We come, an altar is a place of death where we die to ourselves, okay? And, and we come to God as a living sacrifice. When you get in this place of seeking God, God will speak to you. Because if you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. If you ask, you'll receive. And so when you get in the face of God, the longer you do it, the more God will speak to you about more critical issues. And what I found is if you spend extended time, he's going to start rebuking you so stiffly, you might wonder if you're saved or not. Literally. We all think we're all right, but I'm going to tell you personally from a testimony. In two hours of prayer, the Lord told me, he said, you are the Laodicean church. And I was taking 12 women in my house at the time. That's a high degree of sacrifice. What it says in that scripture, it says, you think you're rich and white clothed and you can see, but I, I, I tell you, you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you, purchase gold from me, refined in the fire, and solve for your eyes to see. See, when you get in that fire, guys, your eyes start seeing what God sees. And so when he, you get in that place, he's going to tell you about the sins that are actually given place to the enemy. And then if we believe the lie of the enemy, this is what the scripture says. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. And they will escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Guys, if we believe the lie of the enemy, then we can actually be used by the enemy. And I'm telling you, the reason why the enemy is able to do what he's doing is because we, the church, have not loved one another. You know what denominations, think about it, denominations, dominate nations. There's one church. There are no denominations. 
That's a, that's a freaking work of the devil. Dead serious. We have to be one. God doesn't agree, doesn't give you the ability to disengage or, or, or excommunicate your, your brother for some frivolous doctrine. He died on the cross for people to get saved. And if we turn, he says, then he will forgive our sins. And then he will heal our land. So he's saying it's our sins that are causing our land to be sick. And I'll submit to you how we sin. The Indian removal. John Ross, the principal chief of the Cherokees, took it all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court of the land, the highest court in the land, said it is unconstitutional to remove the Native Americans from their land. And so Andrew Jackson kept doing it. By the way, he was a 33-degree level mason, high-level witchcraft. And so John Ross went and talked to Andrew Jackson. And he said, you got to stop doing this. And Andrew Jackson said, man, you can't stop it. We're gonna, how are you going to enforce it? We're going to keep doing it. And so he kept doing it. But in America, we the people are the sovereign. So if we do not correct it, we are complicit. We are complicit, and I know y'all are doing everything you can, but I want to fire you up and understand, let's take responsibility of this. We're complicit in vaccines. And I'm trying to give you a deliverance truth because I want to see this nation delivered. And we've seen some great success, but... The only way we change it is we come together. Spiritually, it changes everything. If the body of Christ begins to love one another, revival will break out. You'll get God's attention. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. So we, we function out of altars. In John, in John 15, it says this also. It says, I no longer call you uh, servants because a servant does not know his master's business, but I call you friends. For everything the Father's made known to me, I made known to you. You are my friends if, condition, you obey what I command. This is an altar. Okay, his command is to love. No greater love does a man have than he laid down his life for his friends. That's an altar, a place of death. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. This is the sole command of God for us to love each other. Other churches should be loving other churches, and we'll take cities. Okay, so in this place of an altar, you can hear God clearly and God can give you keys. And if you function out of altars, God sent me to uh, God sent me to the uh, Georgia Guidestones 2020 Halloween on a blue moon. A witch, a witch met me there. Everything I decreed and declared at that Georgia Guidestones happened with the exception of a church being put on that place. Roe v. Wade was overturned. You, if you're looking at that PowerPoint, uh, I don't know if you can get it on there, but you can go to my YouTube channel, Voices of Mercy YouTube channel, and you look for the Georgia Guidestones, and you'll see every single thing I said in that land assignment happen except the church being built on it. And if you're following, if you're at the place of the, the slides, um, right now, I'm going to be at the part where it says Kansas City has a massive network of underground caves, houses, over 400 businesses, including a paintball facility and a post office. God began to reveal to us because we function an altar. Our team would come together on the Trail of Joy tour and we would seek God's face for several hours every day. And out of this place of prayer... See, that's what 2 Chronicles 7.14 is. It's this place of prayer where God begins to give you strategies that can shift things. Because God doesn't do anything on earth without using people. He says I, God does nothing on earth unless he first declares it to his servants, the prophets. 
is it, God uses his body on planet Earth. He began to show us this underground cave system and a sex trafficking ring that was going on. I didn't believe it at first. A guy told me about a person being released from satanic rituals and they said they pushed a sky lift in a hole and they never heard it hit the bottom. I, I really said, man, the guy's lying. There's no way that's happening. So next morning I wake up and God often speaks to me in, right when I open my eyes. We can, you can be an altar all the time because prayer is really practicing the presence of God. And we really should be moving like that. Isn't that what Jesus said? He lived, moved, and had his being in the Lord. He said, I did nothing unless I saw my father do it. I, I said nothing unless I, I saw my father say it. So it's this place of being a living sacrifice where you can have a good connection with God. If you get a unified ecclesia, a group of people, and you're all unified, it amplifies the reception. Out of that, God reveals this to us. I actually go there. God tells me to go look at it. I'm going back there to check it out. I'm on the property. God tells me to turn around and go and leave. And there's two cars that pass me up. Both the guys are looking at me. Another guy pulls up and he says, hey, man, is this where we're bringing the vans? I'm like, what vans? And he says, we're supposed to bring 1,500 vans to this cave. I'm like, what? 1,500 vans to a cave? I never even thought of anything like that before. So I'm like, wow, so there's some validity of what God's saying. So I begin to speak to him. And if you see on the slides, if you're there, it says interstate underground warehouses. Do you know Kansas City, Missouri is all caves underneath it? Independence, Kansas City, just caves. It's all even further around there. There's some other pictures of actual caves that I went into where people are living. You can see the pictures, the beds, refrigerators, commercial kitchen inside this cave system. God reveals to us there's a satanic high worship place over the cave system, and we go there. It's a, a tri-county Christian school that witches targeted and shut down. On the door, I don't know if you're looking there, it's a yellow door. It says dead inside. We go inside, there's what's called a demon trap inside. And I don't, you might not know anything about the occult, but Aleister Crowley is on the book, The Lesser Key of Solomon in the Book of Goetia, where they lay out how to do witchcraft. So in a demon trap, you can conjure up a principality and power, and you can make it command all its lower echelon demons to do what it wants to do. That's what happened with George Floyd. That was, there was literally a demon trap erected at that place. That's why you had riots in other countries. So this is a worship place where they sacrifice things. It's an altar. You may see the uh, one slide if you're there. Like I said, it's on bartsfm.com, and you see Aleister Crowley. In Kansas City, Aleister Crowley has a Masonic temple. His altar is sex magic. Now, this is a place of sacrifice where there's an exchange of power. So when you're in, and I know that there's a, a talk about sex trafficking here. If you want to know why they do it, it's an altar where they gain power because of sacrifice. The devil, like people in the music industry, in, the, in, the, uh, in Hollywood, they literally sacrifice loved ones to gain power and prestige on planet Earth. In God's kingdom, we can get that power from an altar where we go lay our life down. And, and actually, God will speak to us on the altar to empower us to do what we won't, don't want to do. The scripture says that if you're led by the Spirit, so you do not do what you want. So when you hear God's spirit, it gives you faith 
to lay down your life. And that is an altar where there's an exchange of power. And that power came because of what Jesus did. But when we flow in repentance, that's what he said. Because of what God showed us, we, we, we set up a tent. We did uh, one thing in independence on the other side of this cave system and, and one a tent revival where God showed us. He gave us a vision of these caves and showed us right where to put it. Because of that, literally, the, the satanic high worship place, you'll see it. It's bulldozed. They leveled the whole thing. It's gone now. You can see. Yeah, it's gone. You can see pictures, if you look at them, it's gravel, and then there's these caves. They literally drive semis in them. That's where we did the tent revival. And you can see them right there. And then they also, they had a fire in the cave system, and the cave fell in. That's not the best. God showed us a swingers club. This swingers club had Constantine wire on it with skulls on top of it, totally gated in. They had statues with people that had heads on ropes outside of the statues. And the rooster on top represents pedophilia. They tried to arrest this guy uh, like three different times and was not able to arrest him. You know why? Because they get these politicians and these judges in some kind of meeting, they slip them something, and then they find themselves in a bed with a kid the next morning. That's why they couldn't bust this guy. They, they tried to indict him three different times. And I'm talking about the, the, the furthest echelons of evil you could possibly imagine. This is what happened after what we did what God said. How many times does God do something that's totally unorthodox to get something done? Think about Jericho's walls. How are you going to make something fall? The marching around it and you're going to blow trumpets and, 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 and walls that were thick enough to drive chariots on fell to the ground. Or how, how about... Uh, Elijah, he brings all, all the, the, the altar, he makes it, but then he pours water all over the top of it, and then it consumes it, and then he kills all the prophets of Baal. Or Gideon, that destroys the, the Baal's altar and erects another altar, and he has him fight, and y'all put up the, the, the jars here, cracks the jars and defeats the enemy. If we listen to God and do it his way, then we'll, we'll be effective, and we can, we can actually occupy the land. They had 32 sex traffickers arrested after our event and 200 children released. There's things that we have to do in the spiritual realm, and I'm not an advocate about praying all the time. I want to do something because the Bible says, can faith without action save you? The answer is no. Now, God may have us do some other things, but he may have us do some very tangible things, too. I mentioned to you John Ross earlier, right, with the Cherokees. I want you to listen to this because I'm talking about these things so we can actually turn some things if we deal with the root. We wonder why you hadn't been able to turn over the election, right? I mean, it's right in everybody's face. I mean, come on. They, 30, 30 million other voters that aren't even on the roll. There's a re it's actually the judgment of God because of the sins of the church. And there's some roots that happen in our nation, and God is speaking about it very loudly so we can course correction. But it's only going to be done together. We, we, we have some keys, but these keys are too big for us to turn by ourselves. John Ross, after he talks to Andrew Jackson, he leaves, and then J Andrew Jackson gets a delegation in Georgia, signs the New Echota Treaty. What's the centerpiece for the election fraud? Georgia. If you look at Mike Lindell's uh, absolute proof, the cyber footprint is directly over the Cherokee Nation, most of it. Um, 
But this is a rebuttal written by John Ross, just a small portion of it, and see how similar it is to where we're at right now. And John Ross was a Moravian Christian too. It says, an instrument purporting to be a treaty with the Cherokee people has recently been made public by the President of the United States that will have such an operation if carried into effect. We declare before the civilized world in the presence of Almighty God, he's a Christian, this was made with unauthorized individuals and without sanction and against the wishes of the great body of the Cherokee people. Where do we find ourselves now? We have a president in office by unauthorized means, right? Without sanction, against the wishes of the great body of the, Cher uh, of the American, American people. We're reaping what we sow, guys. But God, when God reveals something, he wants to deal with it. And we've seen some of these things happen in real time, three different times. Myron can attest to one of them because he was in one of the meetings. God gave us a word based on this guy that went down the Mississippi River. He, read, he left 9-11-1999 at 9 o'clock in the morning. God told him to go down the Mississippi River and pray over every city in town and blow the shofar as a warning of impending judgment. And he told him that if the church did not bring healing into the reservations, because the, the Native Americans are really hurting because of this, guys. They don't know, you know, without the Holy Ghost, without the anointing, you can't deal with trauma. I couldn't deal with it. It was God that set me free of that. And that's the enemy's tactic. But you, the anointed church of the living God, are the ones that have the power and the antidote. I went to Fort Apache. They had a guy passed out in the road. And I told some people about it. So well, that's not the bad thing. We had 13 men freeze to the street last year because they passed out drunk. Because why? We start using substance abuse when we don't know how to deal with things, when we're disconnected with God. I asked him, I said, why you got these fences up on these gorges? It's a beautiful gorge. I said, oh, well, our children are jumping off in, in, in groups. We had 15 children jump off of this. The young one was six years old. And out of sight, out of mind, I didn't know there was reservations, guys. I did not know there was even a reservation in America. Okay? But this is happening in the United States of America. And I'm not... And it's not about land, but it is about land. It's not about getting the land back. But if we're going to heal the land you got to heal the man because the man is the one with authority. He's the one with authority. Yeah, give God some glory. You've heard the term landlord, right? Because man has got authority on earth. I don't know if you did the math on it, but this guy left 1999, 9 o'clock in the morning on 9-11. That means two years to the exact hour the first plane hit the towers. Judgment hit America. Not, not the same day, the same hour and day. I called this man up, and, and because he was reading his one-year Bible, he, he told me what was going on, and I literally called him up and asked him the same exact questions 21 years later to the exact day, which is 777. The revival we did in Minnesota that I'm not even talking much about, we did 21 years to the exact day and hour, 9-11, 9 a.m. in the morning, 2020 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So these things are not coincidence. If you're, if you're following the PowerPoint, there's a picture of the United States of America with an X on it. That's the second great American solar eclipse that makes an X on the Trail of Tears State Park in Jackson, Missouri, exactly one day before the anniversary of Azusa. The catalyst for the Azusa Street Revival was the San Francisco earthquake. And the last New Madrid earthquake was prophesied by an Indian named Tecumseh exactly one day before it happened. 
On that day, 2-2-2, on a Tuesday, Pluto aligns with America. Last time it did it was July 4th, 1776. 777 days from that day, it makes an X. God is literally using the sun and the moon to draw an X, marks the spot on a fault line. This is what's at fault. It makes an X on the Trail of Tears State Park in Jackson, Missouri, named after Andrew Jackson. We will have no excuse. Bob Jones prophesied when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, it's going to be a sign of the third great awakening. That day that it happened in 2020, I was flying to Israel with the Navajo Nation president that he was vice president with. Is that right, Myron? I find because of that, I researched it 50 years to the exact day of the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl in 2020, the Ashbury University revival broke out. Not far from here, Wilmore, Kentucky. And then I was there this time. You know why? Because it was one of the Trail of Tears State Park, uh, one, of the, one of the Trail of Joy stops. I get a call from our team that's there, said revival broke out in Ashbury. I'm in the church where Bob Jones is buried doing harp and bowl worship when I get the call. I was there that next day, and that revival was harp and bowl worship the entire time. They were praying and worshiping. You know why? Because Bob Jones died in 1975. He was in heaven. And then Jesus said, Bob, you died prematurely. I'm going to send you back. And he says, Lord, I don't want to go back. He says, those people don't listen to me. He says, Bob, you're a liar. He said, everything I say comes true. He says, by the way, you're kind of cowardly. And he says, Bob, there's going to be a third world war in America. Soldiers on our land, limited nuclear strike on West and East Coast. And he said, I need you to go back to earth and touch some young leaders where I'm raising up a new movement in Kansas City, Missouri. And he says, everywhere it's done, it'll create a canopy of refuge and a breadbasket in a time of war and famine. That's a serious word, but the Bible says that the watchman doesn't warn his countrymen to dissuade them from their evil ways, I'll hold the watchmen accountable. It also says the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the naive keep on going and suffer for it. We would be doubly naive if God sent a man back from heaven to come give us a mechanism of refuge. Do you know that the Ashbury University is 222 years from the Cane Ridge Revival, which was the Second Great Awakening? 222 is the day that Bob Jones, Paul Cain, and John Paul Jackson, all Kansas City prophets were buried. There's a lot that God's doing. And I'm telling you, for America to be saved, the first America has to be saved. The trailer, we, we did 11 stops from Salem, Oregon to Miami, Florida. Now we're turning our focus into the reservations. And we need people to be laborers, people who want to help finance it. Because this is a deliverance issue for the nation. And me, just like you, I'm fighting for the liberty of my grandson that's here right now. He's seven years old and I have another one, eight months old. And I don't want to be known as I lost liberty on my watch. Okay, but I don't want your kids to lose liberty. And so that, that's why I'm here. We literally left Miami, drove 12 hours to Baton Rouge, drove 12 hours back up here because it's an emergency, guys. There's too much at stake. And, there's, and, there's, and, and with these things that God's given us, there's accountability. When God gives you so many confirmations, there were much is given, much is demanded. There's accountability with this from my side. And now you're probably accountable too. Sorry to say it. 
but you probably are. Now look, if you take 2 times 2 times 222, it comes up to 1776. William Seymour, he prophesied there would be a revival twice as strong as Azusa. It would heal the racial divide, and it would spread across the entire nation. We're literally dealing with the root of the racial divide in the United States of America. We're teaching a form of evangelism called disciple-making movement. It's on a documentary called Sheep Among Wolves that literally spreads after we're gone. Okay? We have these tools available if you want it. you got to ask, your ask yourself a question. Can faith without deeds save you? We can't come to this conference. This conference is about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. There's work to be done after this. And look, I'm just telling you, everything I got is yours at no cost. I will come to wherever you're at. I don't care on faith. And God always pays the bills. But there's too much at stake. But you got to do something. The only thing that's needed for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. I believe if you're here, you're good men and women. That's why you came. We need all hands on deck. This is just the start. We get on marching orders here and we leave. And I'm just telling you, everything that we have came out of an altar. We were in an altar and God told us. And we said yes and we went and moved on it. No, most of it we didn't want to do. All of it, actually. Because it all requires sacrifices, all arduous. I told you about the disciple-making movement trains. We work with the guy that pioneered the movement in Iran, helped make the documentary Sheep Among Wolves. That's what we have access to. And you have access to it uh, because I, it's, I'm just telling you, I give it to you. I'm claiming nothing for myself. None of my possessions are my own. They'll have them for the common good of my brothers so there'll be no needy person among us. The next thing that we have is the Shepherd and Sheriff's Conference to create a shield in whatever area you're in. And I'm telling you, this thing's important. Paul Cantrell might induce in a minute. He actually kind of heads that up. But uh, Pastor Caleb Cooper and Sheriff Glenn Hamilton from the new movie, Non-Compliant 2, is who travels with us. And what happened was the pastor went and talked to the sheriff and said, Sheriff, I want to know if you're going to stand for God rights. They told me my church is non-essential. God told me to keep my lighthouse open. And said, so, are you going to stand for God rights? And the sheriff said, Pastor, even if I got to go to jail myself, I'm going to defend you. He ended up deputizing the entire church. And it created a shield from tyranny. Next thing we have is reclaiming education. If we're going to take our nation back, we got to start with the foundation. Okay? You had James, James Wilson said this. He's the uh, first Supreme Court Justice, the second most active member in the Constitutional Convention. He said, after much turmoil and bloodshed, we have now passed through the Red Sea in safety. He said, must we after all this return to the flesh pots of Egypt? He said, is there not danger to, if, if, to, is there not danger in not teaching another God's law? He was talking about you got to teach the Word of God in school. All schools in America were started in churches. They taught them to read so they could read the Bible, which what sets men free. There is no freedom without the Bible. I have this presentation here. I will airdrop it to you for free. Just come and get with me. I will give it to you. It took thousands of hours of research and digital work. Everywhere we present it in churches, people start schools. But we also have a blueprint to go to every door to get the tax money given to every parent, homeschool or Christian school or whatever. Amen. And so we have that. We work with three different organizations that are the best in the nation. Whatever kind of Christian school you want to start, I don't care. Get the kid in the lifeboat. Okay? We got, we got a cornucopia 
of, of choices for you. We will hook you up with them. They'll help you from, you know, start to finish. Our model, we actually start schools the next day in a church. We, this is the call to action. Hey, look, guys, you want to know where, why we're here? Because we didn't love our neighbor as ourselves. We homeschooled our kids, and we left our neighbor's kids behind. The ones we left behind are now the left, and now they're legislating sin. But the good news is, if we're willing to obey the command of Jesus Christ to love our neighbor as ourselves, we can begin to save America and children tomorrow. Any homeschool moms in here that will educate some more children that want to be saved in the same grade? Uh, and we can start in this church on Monday. And then from there, we'll, we can bring you into a fully accredited school. USA Transformations. We focus on 10 mountains. This is designed to deliver the church because the church has been duped through wrong civics and, and public education and all kinds of things. But we actually work with the pastor, show him in scripture where it says, hey, man, you're supposed to be influencing government. You're supposed to be influencing uh, education, uh, the workplace and everything else. And then we identify 10 leaders and then we begin to train them with disciples and we create 10 teams. And then at the three year mark, we mobilize all the churches in the in the city and we take the city back in five years and eight months. <laughs> Hallelujah. We got tools that came from heaven, guys. Next, last but definitely not least, I saved the secret weapon for last, y'all. Reclaiming family. We do reclaiming family workshops where we teach our kids to move in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Where the kids are prophesying, praying, casting devils out and raising the dead. The last place we were at, they prayed for a man with cancer. He was totally transformed and changed. Came back every single night, wept every time he saw the kids. I've seen him cast out devils out of leaders myself. And that's my brother, Paul Cantrell. If y'all, no further ado, y'all welcome Paul Cantrell with Free Oregon, all the way from Portland, Oregon. No man on planet Earth is sacrificed like him. He's got 10 kids in a mobile home for seven months now. In Jesus' name, that's a good altar. He's my best friend, too. Thanks, brother. I love you. All he's asking for is your yes. That's it. That's it. Yes. We like to make it really complicated. Formulas and schools. And, and if that's your calling, then amen. But I... Us in the church, and especially with kids, right? I get up, grew up Southern Baptist. When I grew up, I was a PK, and what I was told is maybe someday when you get your divinity degree from NABC and you're 30 years old, and maybe then God can use you for the kingdom, right? But man... It's been such an amazing time being here, you guys. I, uh, we've been on the road, as Devin said, with my family, my beautiful wife over there, Christine. Can you wave, Christine? She's a true hero of our house. The joke says we, were, we had a house and a successful business in uh, Portland, and we're in a house, and the big joke is she looked at me and she says, babe, I need a bigger house. 
And now we're in a 400 square foot fifth wheel. So what does the cliche say? Want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. Yes, amen. So we're here um, with our family. But you know what? It's been one of the most amazing experiences, um, especially with my kids. Um, we, we In Portland, um, we are very passionate about believing that there is no junior Holy Spirit. So even in, uh, in Portland, we were meeting every Friday, and we would just simply um, open up uh, our home so that kids could be encountered with the one that made them and then activated to what they heard to actually do, right? And so I just wanted to start and have my son just bless the meeting. I couldn't uh, come up here and speak about family and the power they carry and not bring them and get involved. And I just want to say this, this, all of you that have kids and families, uh, it, it, family's messy, right? It's not easy. You know, my friend that I get run with, uh, we have different ways of saying it, but this is the way he said it. And so, Chris, if you're watching, I'm using it. He said something, and it's, and it's really the model we used, two different ways of saying it. He said God came to him, and he said, um, I want to raise children that know you. And he says, host my presence, and I'll raise your children. Host my presence, and I'll raise your children. Um, my son's going to pray, but as we get into uh, talking about family, even when I say that word, there's some of you that things come up in you, okay? And uh, for the sake of time, hold on. for the sake of time, I could tell a little bit about our testimony. Me and my wife have been through it. I think uh, Michelle or Leah was talking about it. You guys were the Bonnie and Clyde when you met. That was the big joke. Um, we, were, we, were, we were a mess. We were not living right, man. We came out of addiction and drugs, and, and you can see what, the, what you see before us is only because of God's grace and his love in our life. And um, so I, I want to put that out first because sometimes you see this, and this was a gradual thing that happened with my children. Can I get a hand? Who has gotten the prayers or encounter my kids? Can I get a hands up? Who? Everywhere, hands anywhere that's either been touched by my children have prayers for my children. Just when are we being here? Amen. Come on. Come on. So, um, and it's just normal for them. It's just normal. So um, I want to have my son pray. And then I saw something in my mind. We had a thing where wherever we go, God me, gave me this vision. And so I'm going to do something over that and work with my son while he does that. I'm just going to be obedient. So, son, would you pray for us? God, I pray for this place, Lord, where you fill it with your Holy Spirit and that any, anything that is going to try to take out this meeting right now will be gone. Any distractions will go. Lord, I pray for my father that the words coming out of his mouth will not be from him but the Lord and you, Lord. That the Holy Spirit power that you bring, God, is more powerful than anything on this earth. Lord, the things we see and the things we know are nothing to what you do. So, Lord, I pray over everybody here that they will have the spirit of your hug, Lord, that 
they are part of your family, Lord. Because today we're going to be talking about family, Lord. And family is an important part of your creation. Because you're a family man with a family business. Because you're a family man with a family business. Because you're a family man with a family business, and we got to be part of that business right now. Because if we're not being part of the business, we're not going to get any fruit from it. Come on. If you're not working, you're not going to get any money. So if you're not working in the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get any fruit and Holy Spirit power. So, Lord, right now I pray over my dad that he will have power to shake the roof off this place. And amen. Love you, Dad. Now that's something hard to follow. Yeah. So, can everybody see that? That's what we're doing here, right? Oh, say it, okay. It says, revival is family. And we're going to pray and we're going to talk about that, but what I, what I suggest, if you guys have a pen or a paper, um, there's going to be some things. When we knew here family, depending on what you come from, one of two things usually happen, and that's why I want to start with this instead of end with it, because a lot of times it'll shut people down and they don't want to hear because when they see what happens up here, two things happen. Either we have shame and guilt because of the way we parented, because we have some prodigals out there that I believe that's what my son is doing right there. He's carrying a staff that actually that he got in Cherokee. And my son right there heard a word from the Lord. And he, he held that staff on Cherokee land because God told him to from 8 at night to 8 in the morning to pry out for the land in this generation. Right there. And that's what he's praying into now. And that speaks authority. And what God showed me in that, and it says X marks the spot, is when we together and unify in family and we make the focus what he's created us to be, and it starts in us relationship with him, and then it starts in our family, biological one, and then it expands to things that we see here, right? Then we're walking in authority with the family business, and then when we speak in unity to these mountains that we see going on in our nation, they will be moved and cast into the sea. So he told me to do this here, and he's standing there, but I want you at some point, if you feel led, to come up. That is a specifically, I feel like, the authority for the prodigals to come home. For the prodigals to come home. There's no formula for revival and move of God. But two things that I've seen involved as I've researched a lot of them. One was children. Children have been a huge part in revivals. Toronto Blessing, Azusa Street, we could go on. And the second thing is, is before a great move of God, there has always been a move. And there was a guy, uh, Adam, I don't remember his last name, but he did a study. And he said there was this crazy move of prodigal coming home that marked a huge move of God in revival. 
So I know there's a lot of prodigals, and I want to get that out of the way up first because your prayers avail much, especially as praying mamas. I'm only sitting here today because of a mom crying out for her son's life on her knees. I literally felt times in my life of literally hell being held back by the prayers of my mother involved in heavy uh, drug dealing, moving hundreds of pounds a month, Mexican cartel, it would be too long of a story to speak of. But the point I want to get across is you guys' prayers for your children are heard in heaven, and you get a thunderous amen with every prayer, okay? So as I'm praying, as we're, we're speaking today, if you have a prodigal that you're contending for, I want you to come up, and I want you to grab that staff with my son, and he's going to pray a prayer over them. And we are going to believe in unity that they're coming home. Not if, but when. Amen, sister. So that is what's available here, okay? So as I'm talking about family and as we're digging in here, I want you to feel free to come up. Make a line if you want. Isaiah, would you go over there and help them pray? Right with Gabriel, we have a lot of people coming up for prodigals. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. Let's agree with all these people for the prodigals to come home. I'm a prodigal. And testimony means to do again. So, God, I release my testimony over these prodigals right now in Jesus' name. That you're going to bring divine encounter over them. We're only a moment away. We are one moment away. All your kids and children are one moment away from a divine encounter. I'm going to tell this testimony of my uh, wife's cousin. Recently, this is not where I saw it coming, but God, thank you. I say yes. Recently, he was on a hallucinogen, actually. And God encountered him. And when he encountered him, he was shown very clearly hell and Jesus' hand. And he came out of actually that hallucinogen, which was mushrooms, came out and he burned everything. All his paraphernalia, he got rid of it. Now he is running after Jesus like I have never seen in that side of family. Right now, to this day, we are one encounter away. One encounter. So God, I ask for the radical, violent, divine encounter over these prodigals. Over these prodigals in Jesus' name. Bring them home, Lord. Bring them home, Lord. And we all just put our hands out to these people and stand in the gap. Pray in your prayer language. Dear Lord, bring the prodigals home, God. I just pray that, um, that um, you are going to heal um, your sons and daughters and just bring them home. Them's going to come back to them's family. Them's going to be just coming back to them's family crying. Them's going to come back to them's family and saying, I'm sorry that I left you. Say it again. Say it again. I'm sorry that I left you. I'm sorry that I left you. Them's going to go back to them's family and say, I'm sorry that I left you. I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again. Because for the last couple of years, I've been, you, um, I've been crying out for God. That's what them's going to come and say back to come them's family. 
and them's this and them's gonna be crying out for God. Them's gonna be chasing out. Them's gonna be chasing for. Them's gonna be chasing God. Them's gonna stop be, um, taking drugs. Them's not stop gonna be selling drugs. Them's stop gonna be wrong choices. Them's just gonna go turn to you, God. Them's not. Them's not gonna turn to the devil. Them's gonna turn to you, God. I'm not gonna turn to the devil. I'm gonna turn to you, God. I'm just gonna go the white path, and I'm just gonna make a whole line going to you, God. You're, you are the you are one true Father. We never put anything before you. We don't put anything before you, cause you're our one true Father. Because if we get scared and we think one our, um, our brother or sister or son's not going to come back, you should just believe he's going to come back. And he's going to come back saying, I, I learned how to love. 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 Because God, the Holy Spirit of God came down to me and he touched me and then I learned how to love. And, then, and um, we came here for a reason. This, this, this bomb fest was made for a reason. You're here for a reason. Please tell me one. Love you, son. Love you, son. Whew. So I'm trying to give you hope. Do you to come up here? Where's your rock? Where'd it go? Do I have it? Oh, I have it. There you go. So, uh, oddly enough, I was praying, and one of the biggest things I felt like I was supposed to impart is hope. And it was said earlier, and also uh, Nehemiah was said earlier for us, so I just could confirm. I think so many times in the body of Christ, if we're supposed to move as one unit in one body, why are we surprised or threatened that somebody else in the body has heard a similar thing? Even when I got together with Devin, he came. Oh, God had asked me, I'm part of Free Oregon, and a uh, uh, short story is we, uh, I said yes in my walk-in closet to whatever he would say, and he started putting me in arenas I had no business in, but who knows when you're that far over your head, the distance between you think you can do it and this going to the altar is very short. And so I just said yes, and we had uh, raised a bunch of money, about... 250, close to $300,000 to, for against the mandates. And so we were basically um, providing lawyers uh, mortgage payments, basically. You know, we have, to, we have to do whatever God asks us to do. But in that, I was on my way to work, and God said, why are you using just physical weapons for a spiritual battle? 
And he said, I want you to go to the Capitol Lawn with your family, and I want you to do 24-7 prayer and worship on the Capitol Lawn of the uh, Oregon State Capitol. And of course, with God, we have these arguments. It's so funny, right, when we, we look back at it. And I was like, Lord, I can't find help because like every other small business owner, I don't know where they all went. We have some ideas, I guess. But we couldn't find help, so I'm working 70 hours a week. And I said I have nine children at the time. And if you didn't already know, right? That's the funny part. If you don't, he doesn't already know. I said my wife is going to be nine, uh, six days overdue when you're asking me to do this. And this is what he said. He said, yes, son, but I placed the stars in the sky. Who knows you don't have a whole lot of rebuttal for that one. But here's what I want you to hear, okay? So I said yes, but I said yes frustrated in my truck and threw my hands up at a stop sign and said, fine, Lord, whatever you want. And this is for somebody here. And I said it to the girls earlier, and yes, and I want to say it again because somebody here needs to hear it. We say yes scared. We say yes frustrated. We say yes not knowing what's going to happen, but it's just a yes he's looking for. Just a yes we're looking for. Anyway, so not that it always happens that way, but that day was like walking on butter. After I said yes, I had a guy work give, donating a tent. I had somebody working on permits. I had everything that, that, that I needed by the end, a website, a way to plan, all that. It, it, was this, it was one of the craziest things, walking on butter. And then I said, you know what, if you want me and my whole family to be on the Capitol lawn for seven days straight, 24 hours a day, crying out for this state and this nation, I, I'm going to need like a trailer or something. So before I had the one I have now, we had a small, just smaller one. And everybody said I was crazy. Said, you know, when are you going to let you put and park an RV trailer on the state capitol lawn? It's not going to happen. And I just said, you know what, put it on there. Well, as God would have it, they passed the permit. They gave me the permit. And that permit for that trailer on the Capitol lawn caused it more chaos in that building than almost $300,000 with the lawyers. Because the guy who signed the permit had went on a vacation to the Bahamas. They couldn't get a hold of him. And so when you're on the Capitol lawn, you have the state troopers, you have the park rangers, and you have the um, Capitol police. And I must have pulled my permit out at least 50 times. But you know what? Every time I pulled it out and said it, I, I listened, and I ended up having to get in to pray for him, right? God was moving. But here's what happened. So you guys know probably a little bit about the belly of beast I'm from, backwards. I don't need to get into that. I'm sure you saw Portland on the news like every day for a year. But anyway, because of the legislation... When drugs are legal, as long as it's not over a gram, so you can have a gram of everything in your pocket. And then even past that, the DA is bought off. So even if you do get it, cops aren't going to do it because they know they're going to see him the same day back on the streets. So they say, hey, you got to get that crazy Christian dude off the lawn in his RV. I don't know how it happened or whatever. And you know what happened? After I prayed for some of these guys, the captain and stuff, they went back to their superiors and they said, hey, listen, we can't even get the drug users off the property. Because of you guys. These guys went, went, went about it the right way, paid their fees and everything else, and you want us to leave? We're not doing it. So they literally drew a line in the sand and said, we're not doing it. So we got to stay there. 
And so much happened with my kids on that Capitol lawn. I, got, I could go on about the testimonies of what my five-year-old daughter prayed in that tent for 45 minutes straight that actually happened um, uh, to deal with the court case and everything else. But why I was even discussing it is I, why I was in there that week before it happened. I had people, all kinds of people in the body of Christ saying, hey, man, there's this crazy guy named Devin. He's doing the same thing. What are you going to do about that? I'm like, what? Right away, I'm excited. But how much in the body of Christ we, we take, instead of confirmation, we take it as competition? So many times God is speaking to his church. How the heck is he going to have us be unified, which he says in his word and his desire is, if we can't even come together on what we both heard that happens to be the same thing. Instantly, I see it all the time, people go into competition mode and think that there's only a certain amount of the pie, right, on the same word. So me and Devin connected immediately, and I would, God gave me that word of confirmation, not competition. And all came out of a yes. All came out of the yes. And I, you know, in my ignorance, after I'd done the, the week long, Devin actually came into my tent, which is another story, because um, he couldn't kid his up. So not only was it not competition, but confirmation, but he actually got to do his first night of his tent revival in my tent. That's how we met, which was actually the first event of his thing. And the first night was at my tent. And, and and so somebody needs to hear it, but I, I, in the process of that, God was teaching me so much about what it takes to have unity. And what it took in our situation was our two of our yeses and the kids were instrument, just a huge part of that. And so we, we did that week, and it was amazing, and my kids opened up and started praying powerful, authoritative prayers over that capital. And very specific, and then it was like it was like it was written. We did the last day, the last people prayed, and we had multiple churches involved. And then a lady came over and was ending and prayed over my wife and had a word, and she went into contractions, had just enough time to go, drop the trailer off, went home, put the kids to bed, and we had our daughter Zion Rose. And it it was like it was written. And then I thought, well, Lord, I said, yes, yeah, so it's time for me to go back to work. And I met Devin, and then my wife said something about, well, hey, this is so awesome. Maybe we'll, you know, go on the road with them. Jeez. So I, 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 I blame that one for her, for the prophetic word. And then he asked me to go on the road and uh, lay down my business to do it. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, man. Um. I had to do a lot, a lot of flesh had to die, and I didn't realize how much of my identity uh, was tied up in what I did and money and worried about uh, who's going to supply and support my family. And um, in a moment, I said, Lord, how am I going to supply my family? And this was kind of like that put the stars in the sky moment. He said... Uh, it was like this reverence of God. I asked him, how, I, how am I going to support my family? And it was like this, excuse me from heaven. And he said, excuse me, who's, whose kids are they? 
It was one of those. And so, and, and that was it. And I said, okay, Lord, yes, I don't know how it's going. And we're still riding by faith. I don't know how we're moving from here. I don't know everything, but we just say yes, and we have faith. It's like my best friend Devin was saying, that he's going to come through. So, prodigals are one. Next thing, as I read, when I talk about family, like I said, we have two things that usually happen. Either we have guilt and shame of the way we raised our children, right? Or what comes up is the trauma or the issues that we went through as kids. The reason these guys, I believe, are one of the big reasons there are the secret weapons is because most of the stuff we have to work through as adults to be able to hear God and walk into our destiny, we have to heal from things that we had as a kid that happened in our families. And the beautiful thing about when these kids come and pray is I see it constantly. My wife said she had somebody uh, seen somebody say they didn't want prayer. But out of all the ministry we've been doing for seven months and everything else, I've, me personally anyway, have yet to see one person that has said no to one of these guys when they go and pray. So a kid, ironically enough, it came, and I don't know who he was, but he came randomly before I came up and gave my son this, this, this rock. And you want to say what it says? Hope. Oh, and he said Jesus loves you, right? And Jesus loves you, he also said. Yeah, and he said hope. And that's what I want to instill right now. And it was said earlier because hope is a soil that faith puts in its roots. I'm going to say that again. Hope is the soil that faith puts in its roots. How many of us have felt a little hopeless about this generation? Okay. But here's the problem with that. If we're feeling hopeless, we have not only do we have no place to put faith, but we're, then what we're doing is praying for victory instead of from it. And why I wanted these guys to be involved with everything I do is because I used to just think because the other kids would see what they do, which is very powerful. I could talk all about what kids do, but like my kids learned so blessed to have somebody that showed us what this looked like uh, about 12 years ago or 11 years ago. Um, it changed my whole perspective about what kids are in the kingdom. Because if we're come to... Um, have childlike faith is what moves things, then what could move something with a child that has faith? Because kids believe God can do anything until they're taught otherwise. So as I'm going to read, I'm going to read a few things, and then um, I'm going to walk through uh, something really quick, but as I'm talking, I really feel like God's going to minister in this. When I say family, a lot of people have, like I said, had go two ways with it, and that's the very thing that God wants you to heal from and release today. Because every time I ask God, I need to be a better father, he always answers me the same. 
He says, first, you got to know you're a son. Best thing you can do to be a father and mother is know that you're a son and a daughter. You know, the big uh, thing, and I, there is some truth to it. I'm going to change it because I believe it needs to be said differently as it takes a man to raise a man. I say it takes a son to raise a son. So as I come and I, I, I encourage you guys, as I'm speaking about family, whatever comes to your mind, I want you to write it down. Whether it's a pain from your own father that wasn't there or abuse. I know there's an emphasis even on molestation that's going on and that we, that is something we need to be eradicated. But first, we got to heal. So as I'm talking about family, I believe that God is going to put things on your heart and you either need to write it down or make a mental note of it because at the end of this, we're going to have a moment and a time where we're going to release and we're going to do some forgiveness. Because unforgiveness is like drinking poison, thinking the other person's going to die. And if I could pick one door that the enemy can not only kick in, but walk freely open to wreak havoc on your family and your life, it's unforgiveness. If I had to pick one. There's many others and there's other, but I, if I've seen the most radical freedom in people and them walking in their true identity, it's when you can let go and Truly let go and forgive in deep places where you are hurt and you carry trauma because God's blood was enough. His blood is still warm, and who he sets free is free indeed. But it's got to start with us and our family, and that's why I love and I connected with Scott so quickly because um, he, in, his, uh, in his pillars, he talks very specifically about family and kids. Oh, he, he wanted to say he's our uncle. Uncle Scott. He, we, we met him once a year ago, and uh, he, he forever will carry that name in our house, so he corrected me. It's Uncle Scott. Thank you, Thank you son. Uncle Scott. And so I, as I move forward in family, I just wanted to thank um, just Michelle and Leah that you guys carry an anointing for mothers, and the way that you minister is powerful, especially for girls. It's such a need. Here's a little stat that I actually heard. Um, sometimes I spend some time, we talk about stats, and you probably have all heard them about men, when men is, aren't in the home, right? 32 times more chance to go to jail and to be uh, take drugs and everything. But here's one that I heard the other day. W women that do not have a father have 100 times more chance of being obese. Isn't that crazy? hundred times more. And so I know just like kids, I know that you and your sister carry such a heaven anointing. It was just a blessing to watch you guys work with the girls back there. And I want to say yes and amen to that. The purity that you guys carry and then just the love that you carry for kids and women, you have to run after that because this is a fatherless generation and a motherless generation. And girls are going to, you're going to be able to get places with women and girls because of what you carry and the way you guys love, you're safe places for girls to share their heart. And so I just want to say yes and amen to that. 
I see you guys doing that. Even like this, this today, that was so beautiful. What you guys were doing with the girls and just the way that you love them and what you brought. I really feel like that's a whole nother side. I know like you have so much extra time in your life, but I, I see that. I see that. So pray into that. You and your sister carry it 100% and pray into that. And just my, and the way that my kids were just brought right in and around, they, they're very sensitive. So if they don't feel that it's a right atmosphere, they don't feel uh, uh, open to share and it's like they, they don't, they already know that it's not the place to spend their time, but um, they, they just work. It was like you're part of the team, man. And it's because you carry love and an atmosphere. So I just want to honor you guys in that. So I'm going to start here. Any of this stuff hitting home? Yeah. You guys blessed by these kids? So change your perspective a little bit about what's possible and how you pray. So instead of praying, God, save this generation, God, light them on fire. Light them on fire. Light them on fire. So I hear this a lot, and God spoke it to me again. He says, look, children are a gift of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. As arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is a man whose quiver is full of them. He shall not be ashamed when he speaks with the enemies at the gate. So here's what I want you to say I get a hold of. I think so many times, especially with children, we have taken a defensive stance, okay? I'm going to protect these kids. The problem with the defensive stance is there's only one direction to go, which is... But he picked here, and it's been said many times in Scripture, he said, quiver is full. What's in a quiver? Okay. Is that an offensive or a defensive weapon? I used to think when I heard that, that it was like I carried these things around, and then one day when they, like I said earlier, when they leave the house at 18, that I pull it back and hopefully hit the mark. Man, God corrected me on that in so many ways and realized, you know what even quiver comes from the motion of drawing an arrow and putting it to the bow? That's what quiver means. It's motion. My wife over there, you probably have probably heard her testimony uh, or my testimony about how I almost lost her. Uh, when she uh, came down with COVID, they try to, give her rendezvous and shove a tube down her throat. And because of God and God alone, um, and me calling and putting the fear of God in every nurse, doctor, and everybody at that hospital, every shift change, I even threatened, I was saying, I'm going to get an ambulance to come pick him up and take her somewhere else because that was my legal right. But she heard in that process going that direction uh, when she was really sick, she said, and she was thinking about homeschooling. And, you know, when, when you're homeschooling, if you want to get, get, raise all the issues and the imperfections in your life to the forefront, do homeschooling. You think you missed it about every day. And that's okay. 
But what she said more than that, this is what, what hit me, is she God very clearly said in that, and I believe it's why even God tried to take her out. It's not once now, it's, it's happened twice where he's tried. Is he said to her, prepare my children for war. Prepare my children for war. And so it says here that they are arrows. And what's other interesting, when I did some research a couple days ago about it, we have this Robin Hood idea that it's thrown around our shoulder and that's how it worked. Well, actually, in the Hebrew time then, it was not. It was on their belt, which I thought was interesting because in the armor of God, what does the belt stand for? Truth. So my job as a father is to hold them and I believe even the quiver, what God spoke to me was, to, was about identity, that I walked in truth holding them as a son so that they can be used as the offensive weapons in this time to be what they're called to be, right? But we have done a horrible job in the church of giving them a platform and a voice to be what they're called. And so they're offensive weapons, and the church has not seen them as a weapon or relevant. But I thought it was interesting. You know who, who before has realized that you might know some of the names? It says Lenin, who was Stalin's, uh, was before Stalin, he said, give me just one generation of youth and I'll transform the whole world. Adolf Hitler said, he alone who owns the youth gains the world in its future. So we need to start looking at these young ones as the true offensive weapons that they are. Because why do you think the enemy is after him? Can we find a more catastrophic war zone than this generation right now? And so, you know, in Nehemiah, which was also brought up, which I'll go to really quick, what they couldn't do in 100 years, they did in 51 years. And he even mentioned it. So I thank you for the confirmation of the gentleman that spoke earlier. And I want to read it. Sick of time. Let's see here. Therefore, I set guards at the lowest positions doing the wall. And just inside the wall at the unprepared areas, I also stationed the people by families, providing them individually their own swords, spears, and bows. Families. I believe the walls that are broken down and why we're having such a heyday in this country is the walls and the security of our families have come down. And it might feel like it's going to take a hundred years to get back there. But if it's anointed by God, what would take a hundred years could take 51 days. We need to start speaking hope. We need to start praying powerful prayers from authority that only come from faith. Faith has to have its roots in what? Hope. So we need to start doing that. And I'm not just talking your own biological kids. 
We're a family here, a community here, and you can feel the difference. One thing we do as a family is we take in a lot of broken people. We've, I've had, you know, the big joke at my business before I laid it down to come do this was, you got a piss test, but you got to piss dirty, not clean, to come work for me. That's the joke because they were usually fresh out of jail or fresh out of, is this who God brought me? And then it was a mentorship program. It was a father. That's what it was. And what would happen, a lot of them would be around my family, and they would have things that I wanted to address, and God said, no, I have this. And so I'd let stuff go, whether it would be a shirt or something that wasn't appropriate. Or some things, obviously, there's hard lines that wouldn't come near my home or my children, but stuff like that. And what I started realizing is there was things breaking off them just by being in the ecosystem and the authority of a healthy family. There is territory that I can take moving just like we did as a family that I could never do on my own. There's territory that we can do as a family and take that we could never do on our own. And I, ha- I know we have a ton of fighters out here and courage here, and I, and, I, and I commend you for that, but we have to do it inside our home because that's when identity becomes legacy. It's one thing for me to tell my kids what they should do and that they should follow God and say, yes, it's a whole other thing when they see me do it daily, right? And so I want to give you hope, not just for kids in this generation, but your own families. My family was very broken. A lot of issues, and God had to walk me through that. Walk me through getting healed so that I could walk out as a son, so I could truly be a father to my children. And I know we, uh, we've done a lot of things here and at the, the workshops and a lot of people speaking about what we're called to do in our communities. And I agree with that 100%. And I'm behind that. I actually, uh, we need more of that. But I just want to take a second and say our first ministry and our first place that we need to address is a relationship with God and our, and our families. And so I just want to take a minute. What kind of time do I have? Do I have a time? Five minutes. Okay. So we're just going uh, to pray right now. So if you guys could just close your eyes. Lord, I thank you that you're here. I thank you for these people that have said yes to come here. I thank you for the dreams and visions you have on their life. But Lord, we know that everything comes out of us knowing who we are as children and we want to be free because as Paul said, I mean, uh, Peter said, silver and gold I have none, I can only give away what I receive. So Lord, I just ask right now that you would speak to my brothers and sisters, God. If there's anybody that they need to forgive. If it's a father that was abusive, it was a mother that was neglected you. If it's guilt for yourself because you feel like you haven't been the parent, the mother or father that has walked in their identity. Because if, just like with everything that's going on with this generation, if he can get you to question your identity, he will steal your destiny. So right now, Lord, we just say, ask that you would speak to our hearts now. 
Show us if there's anybody that we need to forgive. Anybody that we need to forgive, God, so that we can walk in wholeness and truly healed and have a testimony, a fresh testimony of our, on our lips, God. So if you have somebody that you feel like you need to release, can you just put your hand up? I'm not going to call on you. When you do, you put your hand up. God, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you that you love us too much to keep us the same. So right, I, I want you guys to repeat after me and say, Dear Jesus, my good and loving Father, I thank you for your love for me and that you've forgiven me. And I recognize now that I have someone including myself, that I need to release to you. So, Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would forgive. And I would just want, you don't have to say it out loud. If you want to, you can. Maybe it's a moment. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a parent. Just want to take a second so you can do that. I just see him on the cross, even looking down, and his blood's enough. Doesn't mean it was okay, but it does mean his blood's enough. Doesn't mean it was right, but it does mean he who he sets free is free indeed. So repeat after me, thank you, Father God, for forgiving them. And I surrender. I surrender them. I surrender the pain. I surrender my perspective. And I surrender all to you, Lord Jesus. And I thank you that I am walking out of here more free than when I came in. That I'm walking out of here when I leave this place knowing that I'm a son and a daughter of a king. Thank you that I can trust you. And I thank you that family was your idea. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys.
We met Paul a year ago too, when Pastor Devin brought him to our event in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And I didn't know him from Adam. Uh, there were two Pauls. We kept calling them the two Pauls. There was another one on fire too. And uh, we kept hearing about his kids. 